Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 35, the greatest film and television athletes of all time. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Chill Podcast. I want to get off and um, start by saying I apologize for the terrible audio I had last week. Just when Eddie finally had internet and had come back and it all looked like it was going well, I messed up my microphone and instead you heard the muffled voice of a very loud New Jersey person. So I apologize for that. And hopefully from now on, we should be pretty good with audio and and be able to provide you some nice streaming content. I'm not sure if you've fixed it by threatening to get off at the start of the podcast. <laughs> Nothing starts a good podcast off by getting off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we want to listen to that. That might be taking ASMR, ASMR, ASMR a little too far. <laughs> so today we have actually a really good episode because we're going to give our top five, I always love a good top five, our top five best fictional TV or movie athletes. Am I saying that correctly? I don't want to say it wrong and then we get it debated. No, that's right. But actually, this episode is going to be good for one additional reason. And that's because kind of fitting, I guess, with the theme of TVs and movies, we have to bring one long running podcast arc to its conclusion because i do officially have the internet wow wait my own 100 percent functioning internet in my apartment in my name so you're not rinsing next your next door neighbor dry at the moment <laughs> well i am in other ways but not not his internet <laughs> see i i like that eddie did this because before we got on the podcast we had Sam and I have both said, oh, your internet seems to be doing better. Like it's not cutting at all. It's not choppy because you had been sucking the life and soul out of your neighbor above you. And Only for two maybe. days. <laughs> well, now he's dead. You've sucked his soul <laughs> yeah. dead in two days. It was, actually, it was actually like a 20-year-old man. And now he looks like he's 77. <laughs> he's like Benjamin Button in reverse. <laughs> so normal. Yeah, um, it's an office joke. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, yeah, it was pretty I, I big. Mean, I don't think I've ever had to congratulate someone on getting a basic amenity installed, but well done. You, what you should really congratulate me on is my dedication to the content of this podcast. Because my internet has been working since 9.30 this morning. And I did not say anything to anyone so I could <laughs> save it for this reveal. And in addition to that, I didn't switch my xbox on because i didn't want sam to potentially see that i was active i made sure that this would be a surprise reveal for the two of you so that was the real dedication and hey don't forget our five listeners <laughs> <laughs> they are probably like punching the air right now in excitement they're oh, so pumped for you eddie <laughs> i mean legitimately I, 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 we have more than five listeners but we do have five listeners who after every episode inquire about my internet situation so for those five i think they'll feel like this is a collective success they can breathe a sigh of relief now what did you do first when the internet turned on eddie 
Well, well, we just said we're not going to talk about (laughs) me getting off in the beginning of the podcast. So if you want to know, the first thing I did is I broke my internet. (laughs) So the way this happened was at 845 this morning, I got a phone call from a random mobile French number picked up and it was a guy and he said, is your internet working? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, it's not. And he said, oh, I'm a technician with free and I've just switched your line on. Is your line, is your internet box working? And I said, oh, I've unplugged it. I'll plug it in. Call me back in like 10 minutes and I'll let you know if it's working. Plugged it in. It worked. He was happy. He then weirdly, he went, okay, I'll come and I'll come upstairs and take a photo of it. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I've been downstairs working on the line. I'll come upstairs and take a picture so that we know the box is working. So in his original phone call, he'd kept this a secret. I thought he was just some like remotely had flicked a switch. And uh, he came up and in the time it took him to come up, I was like, well, this is painful. This, this sort of generic Wi-Fi password is 45 characters long. I'm going to change the password changed the password and it stopped working. So by the time he got upstairs, he was like, yeah, it's all working, right? And I was like, uh, not anymore. I changed the password and it's broken now. I can't, it does, it's not showing up on my list of networks. Was he pissed? And he, he was like, oh, okay, I know what you did. So then he I know you did. You're yeah, an idiot. You changed, That's what you did. <laughs> you changed the password. I just told you. Yeah. <laughs> so we, went, we went into the settings and eventually got it fixed. It did take about 20 minutes while he just kind of awkwardly stood there while I like played with the internet settings. But uh, apart from that, since then it's worked relatively smoothly. Was he a racist like your last technician? No, he, he also, he wasn't white. So it would have been a more surprising twist had he been <laughs> ranting, <laughs> ranting about uh, my race, for example. I would have let him do it, but Oh, we went through this before. You would have let them do anything as long as you were provided internet at the end of the scenario. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's it. We've got day. nothing to talk about in this podcast now. That's yeah, it. I can wrap it podcast up. podcast is over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm actually trying to think how far ago this started. It, there must have been about 20 episodes. Yeah. Well, it started officially for me. My internet was stopped working in my old apartment on August 26th. So wow. I have gone nearly the NFL three... season. Yeah. I've gone nearly three complete months. One week shy. I should have told him to keep, I should have said, no, 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 <laughs> please. I'm keeping track of this. If you could just switch it off for another week. That way I like, the, I like, I'd like the round number, please. It's actually why we called it the big chill podcast. Cause Eddie was back in the ice age with no internet. Now that he's got Ooh. it, we might as well have to rename the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, very juice. good. Yeah, we've got backups here. You can get off on Soup Juice. <laughs> now we can officially go to Soup Juice. All right. Yeah. So I think we're going to have some pretty good arguments about the top five. So let's save that and let's go through our picks first uh, for this week because this will be pretty easy for me. I think I'm going to just give you, you know, all straight winners so we can get through it pretty quickly. I can get back on the top of the leaderboard here. Oh, your so, current form does not suggest <laughs> this will be the case. Everyone Two has things. a bad game, all right? Two things. One, that would obviously, so your plan is to do the complete opposite of last week. And two, yeah. when you say get back on top of the leaderboard, 
you've literally never been on top of the leaderboard. Uh, Sam's yeah, on top at of the one leaderboard. point we were at zero zero. <laughs> we were all it, tied for first before is we that won. On top? I, I, mean, bottom, <laughs> I mean, alphabetically, I guess by last name you would have been top, but by first name you wouldn't have been. Well, maybe we, we all know we all know my name's boring. So maybe by the boringness of my name, I would have been <laughs> yeah. first. So, all right, Eddie, do you want to do you want to give us a lowdown on what happened last week with our? You can just skip that. Let's just go. To the yeah, first. I mean, obviously, we we kind of went over quickly in the last episode. The good news is we all picked the Vikings Monday Night Football with the spread and just a win, obviously. So we all ended on a high. So that was good, at least. Now, watching that game was not ending on a high. We'll probably talk about that later, but that was one of the most miserable offensive performances I've ever seen from the Chicago Bears. And speaking of miserable performances, that meant that Frank finished 4-9-1 and one for the week against the spread, 7-7 seven and seven straight up. Uh, I went 10-4 and four straight up, 8-5-1 and one against the spread. And Yikes. Sam, you went 8-6 and six straight up and 7-6-1 and one against the spread. Still so wrong. So I Eddie kind of stretched cleared now. Yeah, I've kind of stretched my lead. I'm I'm 13 Shit. games, 13 games ahead straight up. So that's going to be difficult to close the gap. I've, I've seen like a eight, lead like an that. Eight I saw a lead spread, right? like that in week 4. I you know these leads can go. <laughs> yeah, 7 7 games ahead against the spread. You and yeah. Sam, the two of you are dead level again on the spread, so after I just oh. ripped into him last week about how it's a two-man wow. race. <laughs> yeah. So you can wow. either call it you could either call it joint second or joint last, whichever you prefer. Joint you second. and I are gonna turn in you and I are gonna turn into the Breeze Brady. <laughs> Who's picking who? All right. All right. We need to claw some stuff back on Eddie here. So um should we get bit should we get into it? Or yeah, let's go for talk, it. Or do you want to talk about somehow the bears getting worse on offense first? We'll probably just Guess yeah. it with. They have a buy. Well, they have a buy. So, oh, yeah, that's true. thank God. Okay, let's, we could just yeah. Yeah. do it. We don't I mean, have to talk about I, it. That's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> hey, we've got a good one to open up with um, starting soon, haven't we? We've got the um, divisional game. So, Cardinals are the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are three point favorites. Um, who wants to open up? Uh, I'll go for it. I'm sure Frank maybe has more thoughts, seeing as the Arizona Cardinals are his team. Um, this is such a tricky one to call in the sense that they're both kind of inconsistent. Neither one of them is good defensively. They're both pretty explosive offensively. So I think almost any scenario is in play here. So, and I, would, I don't think either team could even feel comfortable unless they stretch a lead to, to the 18 plus points. I don't think either one will feel comfortable with any advantage that they have until very late in the game. That being said, I feel like I've got to stick to my rule, which is take a good team after a defeat. And I'm going to just about classify the Seahawks as a good team. I'm also going to, these are not good reasons. I'm also going to assume that the Cardinals have maybe used up their luck for a while. And I think this might just be the game where they kind of come back to earth a tiny bit. So I'm going to take the Seahawks to win and cover the spread. Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, Eddie, you've put it perfectly. You have two teams that are just so up and down. 
And sometimes their offense looks like they're going to put up 60. And then sometimes their offense looks like they're going to put up 15, 20. And then at the other end of the side, you have two defenses that seem to struggle. And they, the annoying part is they struggle when it matters. Um, you know, the classic example there would be the Cardinals, even last week against the Bills. So a lot of people who will be taking the Seahawks right now would say, oh, the Cardinals got lucky. You know, they won on the Hail Mary. They shouldn't even want in that game they should be five and four yeah okay you could say that but then i could take one step back and say well you know what they've actually should have won that game to begin with before the hail mary because they shouldn't have let josh allen drive down the field in about a minute to to get the game to where it was to where they were losing you know so to me that's that inconsistency in their defense where all they needed to do is just get one good stop on josh allen there and they just could not do it and luckily murray um and DeAndre Hopkins bailed him out, but it's, 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 it's a very tough one. I mean, and they played each other, what was that four weeks ago now, three weeks ago. And that was a game that went to overtime. And that was a game that was back and forth. Anyone, either team could have won that game. And I have to say, this is not a great game to bet, but hopefully it's as fun to watch as the last one was because they are entertaining games when you have, you know, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray just going back and forth like that. Um, I'm going to stick with the Cardinals um, to win and I'll take them with the plus three. I think the three could be uh, a swing there. That seems to be a decent amount uh, for the Cardinals who have won by two, lost by three, won by three in their last three games. So they're keeping it pretty close against good teams. So I'll stick with that and I'll just keep them to win just because, you know, I want my free Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I like the end reasoning there as well. <laughs> like, let's throw everything out the window for coffee. I, I think you two have put it pretty well with the defenses here. But the thing is, like, Wilson in the last two, what, two weeks has put up seven interceptions. So he'll need to clean up his game if they're going to beat the Cardinals. They probably could. And you don't see a reason why they couldn't. But interesting fact is the, the Cardinals this season are 4-0 when they've um, forced two or more takeaways. And they did that against um, the Seahawks last time out. And with the inconsistency with Wilson at the moment, I think that takeaways could be the um, picks, interceptions, takeaways could be the thing here. So I'm going to take the Cardinals as well. Um, and obviously to cover. Now, are, are you a little surprised that the over-under is 57? I mean, that's a high over-under. Yeah. But do you think, I still think that's kind of low, to be honest. So, yeah, I saw 57 and a half. Yeah. I mean, you can't go much higher than that. They put up seventy-one last last time they played. Sure, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but I know, no, I know. You, you can't. I understand. I mean, like when I saw that, I thought, wow, that's that's high, fifty-seven. And then I really thought about it and said, well, is it really that high for these two teams? I mean, the Cardinals went sixty-two last week against Buffalo, and you know, I'd expect a similar game there. Plus, the other reason why you can't go much higher anyway is because I'm going to say people like you, but you know people are going to decline. So if you start getting to 62, 63, well, obviously you're going to just add yeah. you know, seven, eight points. And I'm not going to say it's a gimme then, but if you're starting to get an O, you're taking the under 69 and a half points, <laughs> under 70 points, I think you feel you're going to have a chance in that game until very late. Let's put it that way. Even if it's you're not going to be at halftime being like, oh, my, my under is screwed here. Um, I mean, you forgot I, one. You, you talked about how you could spin the Cardinals as being 
both lucky and unlucky last week, you did kind of forget two points, which is they were down 23-9 or whatever. So, okay, they gave up the late touchdown to go behind, but they did have to actually have a good fourth quarter comeback to get in that position. And also using your own logic about how you view your performance in the pick contest, they were also winning when they were 0-0. So they started the game in front, <laughs> and they finished the game in front, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So my I teased this game. I always like to tease it Thursday. So I went cards plus nine and over 51, where I, I know I'm jinxing myself now by saying it, but I feel like that's a pretty good bet right there you know i think they can get over 51 combined and i think plus nine you know you'd have to have a pretty good blowout there so expect the seahawks to win by 20 i yeah 21 nothing (laughs) furious you can't see it but i'm furious the over seems good i i don't know if i necessarily say like plus nine is is really great i mean i don't expect the seahawks to win by more than nine points but i wouldn't be surprised if they did I gotta be honest. Like, I don't think you can be if if the Seahawks win by fifteen. I I don't think you could be like no one saw this coming. I mean, they're a team that's scored points for fun at times this year, and the Cardinals have, you know, at times failed to play anything resembling NFL defense. So, who knows what will happen? But I, like you said, at least it should be a fun game, which sometimes Thursday night football is not. So at least it's got that going for it. All right. Um, next up is the uh, Falcons at the Saints, and the Saints are four and a half point favorites. Um, last time I saw, I, I didn't see if Winston or Hill was starting. Has that been? Has, have you seen anything about who's starting for? They haven't the announced it. Still haven't announced. I mean, for me, I still think the Saints, whoever starts, have got plenty of offense, and I, I think this will be. I still think this will be a Saints win. Um, even with the slight Falcons resurgence that we're seeing at the moment. So I'm still going the Saints and to cover this, whomever plays. I don't think there's that much difference between the two. I mean, my assumption is that they're not really going to announce who starts, that their Winston, in a sense, will be under center to start the game, but they're going to use Hill in the same way they've used him even when Breeze is starting, which is he comes in in certain scenarios. And, and maybe he'll come in more frequently now that, breezes out and if Winston is terrible then maybe he takes over but my guess is they're going to use them as a kind of platoon um, which will be interesting to watch I I mean fundamentally right I've spent the year saying that Drew Brees looks like his arm fell off in the offseason so in, I kind of see part of me feels like this might be an upgrade for the Saints Winston it's hard to like him sometimes because He's just such an idiot. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago when he on camera multiple times, like ate the W again, which was a weird, I mean, part of me kind of likes the idea that he did this embarrassing thing and now he's embracing it. But at the same time, I don't know if he necessarily is in on the joke to the degree that he needs to be, to be doing that again. But I'm going to take the saints. I don't think that the, I don't love it. I would stay away from this game, but I'm going to take the Saints to win and cover the spread. Yeah, so I agree with you on Breeze not looking like he used to look like. I cannot say that Jemias Winston is an upgrade. Just so everyone knows, Frank 
now knows that that's not how you say his name, <laughs> but spent a very long time saying his name that way. And now is a little bit like Winston has done it with eating the W. Frank has turned that into a joke of his own, <laughs> but it started. It's a very genuine thing. Yeah. The, the other thing I, I will argue against, by all reports, Winston does seem like a genuinely nice person. I've seen multiple ESPN articles about how he does a ton of charity work. His big thing when he was at Tampa Bay was he would go around and he knew every person's name that worked in the stadium. And I mean, even up to like the janitor that was cleaning, he would know their name. He would know about them. He would have conversations with everyone. And it's, it's a really nice thing to see, you know, when you have a really high draft pick like that, who comes into the NFL, he could be that stereotypical asshole, but he seemed by all accounts to be a genuine person and a nice person. So I, 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 I would hate him on the side of, he's just so erratic on the field when you're throwing what 30 interceptions in a year that's very annoying to have to just, support just got, someone. I've got one question for you, though. Was he nice to the janitor that wasn't cleaning? Yeah, I, this is my point. I was like, was it the janitor who was cleaning? What about the janitor who was offensive coordinator? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you had a mop in your hand, yeah. Jameis Winston <laughs> is your friend. And if, you're not if cleaning, you didn't have a mop no. in your hand, Jamias Winston was still your friend. Yeah, depending. No, if you, you if got. you didn't have a wop, a wop. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> we just gone full, full in. I have one. I have one. Oh, that's on parlor. <laughs> oh man, can't wait till the Washington Wops start playing their games. Wow. So, what? So for me, I'm gonna go against it here. I'm gonna go with the Falcons. And I have one not so great reason, the fact that they're actually really good against the bye. So last year off of the bye, they beat the Saints. And I think they can do the same this year off of the bye. With the fact being when you have Breeze out, you know they're going to be relying on Kamara. They're going to get Alvin Kamara the ball at least 30 times this game. Wait, are you sure? Because they now have a quarterback who can throw over eight yards. You like, think they're going to let, wait, wait, you think they're going to let Jamias Winston throw the ball and potentially sure, it's either I a like completion that, or an I interception? Like I admire you for sticking to this. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm part of me is like, can you say his name properly, Frank? Yeah, I've actually forgotten it now. Jameis. <laughs> you, you were not sure there. You said <laughs> that so slowly. <laughs> Jameis. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think Kamara will be heavily involved in their offense and i'm sure that they'll be conservative in moments but i don't see any reason to expect sean payton's not a a coach who's afraid of going for things right this is a guy who famously started a second half of a super bowl with an onside kick so he is not a conservative football coach i see no reason why now that winston will have had a week you know, taking a lot of snaps uh, in in practice, I see no reason why that they'll just be using him to hand the ball off. I mean, not just hand the ball off, but I think a lot of their passing game is going to go through Kamara with short passes, dump offs. I don't think he's going to ask Winston to go deep downfield. I mean, 
you're right. He is a pretty aggressive play caller, but even this year as a whole, he hasn't asked Breeze to even go deep. So I don't get no, why he all has. of a sudden. No, 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 Frank, he has. Some of those seven-yard passes, those were instructions for Breeze to go deep. Breeze just doesn't have the arm to go deep fundamentally, and I think they've adapted their play calling based on that fact. If anything to me, this is a week when Michael Thomas, who obviously missed several weeks for because of injury and maybe because he punches teammates and doesn't who, listen to coaches. You found out is an asshole later on. <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, it has a history of this. Um, I think this is the week possibly you could see him getting... I mean, look, the Falcons secondary is atrocious. Like That's why they aren't good this year, fundamentally. Yeah, ranked so, 31st. So, you know, to me, this is a week where they would have prepped for it. They would have thought this is a nice way to get Winston sort of fully involved and to make him feel comfortable and to get Michael Thomas more involved. And so I think he might throw some picks because it's what Jameis Winston does, but I think he'll put up yards and he'll throw touchdown passes because that's also what Jameis Winston does. So Frank, you're taking the Falcons and cover you. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'm going to have to go for some upsets here. I'm either going to bridge the gap or increase the gap. So let's find out. All right. Next up Bengals at Washington and uh, Washington are, one point favorites um i mean for me this is borough bounce back territory when you look at the thing with the bengals is that when you actually look at them yeah they're they're not great but the two the two big blowout losses that they've had are the steelers and ravens i mean there's not that much shame in that uh against a good defense they put up 27 against the colts still through 300 yards burrows kind of averages around 250 300 he's pretty consistent, but also they've just got loads of players that move the chains as well, like Mixon. And they've got, I don't know. I just think even though Washington, Washington have good pass defense, but the Bengals have a pretty good run game as well. So I'm going with the Bengals on this one. I think they'll bounce back and they'll cover. Um, even if they lose, it's going to be extremely close, but the plus one doesn't really give me any leeway there, but I still think um, I still like the Bengals in this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I, I don't get what everyone sees in Washington. I mean, one, they're a two-win team. Second of all, one of their wins is against Dallas when Dallas was absolutely in the shithole. And they've lost to teams that aren't that great, and they've lost pretty badly to good teams. You know, they lost by like 20 or something to the Rams. Whereas you look at the Bengals, and yeah, they're they're two and six as well, but at least – Besides this last game against the Steelers, they're pretty competitive. They were competitive against the Browns. They were competitive against the Colts. You know, they've beaten the Titans. Titans. So I I don't get this spread. I I mean, I wouldn't expect it to be crazy the other way, but maybe, you know, just a pick them, I I think is what it should be. So, I mean, with that, I'll take, I'll take the Bengals over Washington um, with the, obviously to win and with the points. The interesting thing here is you have two number one drafted QBs going against each other 15 years apart. That's pretty crazy. I want. I wonder if there's a bigger discrepancy that's ever happened of two number ones. Possibly not. That could be a really good stat. Like it would be nice if we knew it for sure. But you're right. Like there is. Do you want me to dig deep and then we can break the stat? I mean, I <laughs> guess. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe tough Peyton. To think. Peyton at the end versus a different number one QB probably could be the difference. Yeah. You yeah. think this the um first and second pick in last season's draft as well wasn't it because it's uh burrows and then chase young and that to me is yep. a key matchup 
Yeah. Is the pass rush, the Washington pass rush against this Cincinnati Bengals team that has failed to protect Burrow. And at times mm. he is just in all sorts of trouble and has no time. So to me, that's where the game, this game is going to be won and lost. I'm not surprised by the spread because fundamentally it might've shifted a little bit this year because of the lack of home field advantage, but the home team gets three points. So Washington being a one point favorite at home fundamentally means that they think the Bengals are the better team. I'm going to, I'm going to give Alex Smith the chance. This is going to be the storyline. This is Alex Smith completing his comeback by beating the number one overall pick from this year's draft. And I'm doing it only not so much because of Alex Smith, but I do think they're going to get pressure on Joe Burrow. And we know Burrow doesn't like scary things. Also true. So if Alex Smith flashes his leg a few times, if he if he's scared, if he is scared, more like some Victorian lady lifting up her dress kind of thing. If he's if he's scared a house, imagine, imagine the scars. What, yeah. <laughs> I mean, also Alex Smith, right? He has to wear this very because he has drop foot, so he has to wear this brace just so that he can play, and he's constantly tweaking it to try and improve its performance. So if Joe Burrow just sees him in the pregame warmup, like playing with his brace a little bit, the house flashbacks are going to be extreme. You know, there was, there was obviously the, uh, the Sam Darnold quote from last year when he said, I'm, I'm seeing ghosts out there when they were playing against the Patriots might get something similar from, from Joe Burrow. He's going to be on the sideline. I'm seeing a house out there. So you're taking Washington, yeah? Yeah. Don't feel confident about it. I'm going to completely stay away from this game. I'm probably going to watch. This is my under a minute of weekly consumption, even with the internet now, even though I'm going to have the the possibility of having every game on at the same time, I'm not going to waste any of my bandwidth on this one. Or your neighbors. Actually, maybe, just, yeah. maybe log I'll, into your. I'm gonna down my own internet. Log into no, this. no, no. Just this game is so bad that I would just with just to drain his energy a little bit more. I'm gonna use one device to log into his network and just stream this game. Nothing yeah, like sucking the soul out of a person by streaming a team formerly known as the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, soon to be known as the Washington Wops. The Wops. <laughs> All right. Um, Lions at the Panthers and Panthers are one and a half point favorites. Um, you two might have information on this one as well, but Stafford is expected to play, right? And is Bridgewater expected to play? I didn't really, I haven't seen it from earlier, but anything else confirmed recently? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard much except that they're both injured, but they'll both likely play. And I don't know which one's the worst injury because, you know, Bridgewater has been scrambling a lot to keep them into the plays. So obviously a knee injury is going to be costly, but then you have Stafford has his throwing thumb is injured. So that's obviously going to be a huge Bridgewater is unlikely to play. Really? Yeah. I guess I mean, Stafford is expected to play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fundamentally. I mean, it really doesn't change who I'm going to pick. So. I mean, they've both got pretty bad defenses, right? So (laughs) it doesn't really change too much, but I don't know who are you going for anyway because I'm, I'm I'm torn on this one. I think I've got this I've got this allegiance problem with the Panthers that I've backed them more often than not, and I keep getting stung when I bet them, and then they keep covering when I don't. So 
I don't know what you what's two the, think. What's the spread that you have? One and a half. Go with? One and a half um, in favor of the Panthers. Okay. I'll take the Lions straight up, and then I'll take the Lions with the points as well. I don't have much of a reason. I, I don't – both – yeah, like you said, both these teams have kind of just been – screwing me over week after week but you know i do think the lions are the better team here um so i'll stick with the lions i'm gonna do the same i don't think anyone could possibly say the lions are the better team but if i just did yeah well we can (laughs) we've we've got a track record we can look back on that shows you deciding which team is the better team it's not not very accurate um but Assuming Terry Bridgewater doesn't play, it's difficult for me to think that the Panthers will win this game. And that is also kind of assuming that uh, Matthew Stafford does play. He practiced today. So on that basis, I'm going to assume if he practiced on a Thursday, he will play on the Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Lions. I mean, surely that 1.5 line is factoring in that Bridgewater may not play. So they're probably going with the fact that they still consider the Panthers favorites. And I'm trying to think at this point, like on these on these marginal games, is this where I need to sometimes swing the other way to try and get that pick back? Because this is a complete toss up for me. I Maybe I'm more inclined to go with the better like coaching side of the Panthers, I feel. I'm going to go Panthers. Yeah. I I don't say that with much confidence or much rationale, but yeah. All right. Next up is the Patriots at the Texans and um, (laughs) the Patriots are two point favorites. Oh, I'll start it off. Patriots are one and three on the road. Only win against the Jets. Time for Deshaun Watson to put the team on his back <laughs> it's... and beat and beat the facade is, that is what is everyone thinks a decent I, Patriots I team. Think, I think how every week I say the word really once, and it is this moment every week. <laughs> like, are you really? Patriots have the third worst pass defense going up against the sixth best QB rated quarterback. And I honestly still can't trust the Patriots because of one crappy weather win against the Ravens. I mean, look, that, that, has, that element is fine. But how, look, this is what bothers me sometimes when you make these picks with the Texans involved. You're like, well, I can't trust the Patriots because they beat a playoff team in, in you know, terrible <laughs> weather conditions. And I can't beat them because they struggled to beat the, I can't trust them because they struggled to beat the Jets or because they lost to this team or that team. And then it's like, but you're going to trust the Texans who week in, week out, get their absolute asses handed to them by whoever they play. And somehow they're consistently being terrible means that you can't poke holes in them because if one thing, they're at least predictable. And two things, you know, like we could take the Benjamin Franklin quote and like the things that are guaranteed in life. And at the moment, the only thing guaranteed, two things guaranteed in your life right now, Frank, are that you're going to predict the Texans will win and the Texans will lose. <laughs> hey, just like two weeks ago. I mean, I mean, Frank, to be honest, considering our closeness in the 
overalls at the moment, take the Texans. I'm all for it because for me, I think the Patriots have turned a bit of a corner over the last like three games. Um, good win against the Ravens last week. I don't think Cam has thrown a, like a pick in like the last couple of games. Um, they've got this outside shot now with the playoffs. I think I saw like 9.8% their chance. I, I don't know. There's some momentum there. They're playing a bit better. Things are a bit more stabilized. I, I actually think the minus two is lighter than I thought. I thought this would have been around kind of four or five. So I, for me, the Patriots, I, I thought this was quite an easy one. But one back on Frank, I'd like to think. Eddie? I don't think it's, I don't think it's easy in the sense that the Texans do retain this element of talent and the Patriots have been reasonably unpredictable. So that's me getting as close to Frank's opinion as I could possibly get. That being said, thank you. Appreciate it. I think you can dismiss the Patriots kind of two really disappointing performances as being potentially COVID related. And so, yes, the weather conditions played in their favor on Sunday night. And I don't think they would have beaten the Ravens in normal conditions. I think that's for sure. But they're a much better team and they seem to be figuring themselves out a bit when you look at how Harris is becoming involved in their offense. And on that basis, I just don't know. I mean, let's also not forget, this is Bill Belichick against the Texans. And Bill Belichick has nearly made a career out of just beating the Texans. I mean, he's probably... But that's, dis- when, but that's when Bill O'Brien was the coach. <laughs> he's probably disappointed that the Texans are... Didn't, they're, they're, they're so incompetent that they're going to deny him his usual January treat of playing them and beating them in the first round of the playoffs. Like this is probably the thing that's going to bother him. And this is going to guarantee that he sees this as his kind of fake playoff game and just goes in and absolutely shellacks them. So I'm taking the Patriots. All right. Um, Eagles at the Browns and the Browns are three point favorites. Every week we talk about a team that we think doesn't get enough respect in the line. I'm trying to figure out how the Browns are only three-point favorites in this game. I know that they put up virtually no points last week. I know they haven't looked great over the course of this season. But I don't know how anyone watched the Eagles play last Sunday and thinks, yeah, I think they're only three-point underdogs against what is clearly going to be a playoff team. Now, that being said, maybe... My confidence in the Eagles losing have probably peaked for this game and the Niners game. So read into that what you will. <laughs> so there's every chance this is the, uh, yet again, the Eagles figure things out just in time. Having, I thought they would win last week. They thoroughly let me down. I think that they'll lose this week. They'll probably thoroughly let me down again. But I just think that the Browns will run all over them, control the clock. And also they have the, you know, Miles Garrett is going to get pressure on Nick Foles, and you're just going to see Nick Foles scrambling in the backfield, mentally deficient as he is, according to some NFL executives, as Frank found out. <laughs> so, so, so has, has Nick Foles been traded back to the Eagles? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Carson Wentz ruined that joke. <laughs> yeah, I bet you right now they wish he had been traded back. Yeah, I mean he has Even the most if- turnovers in the league. Even with his broken hip, or even if he had his broken hip, I think they'd rather take Nick Foles with one hip over Carson Wentz and one brain cell. 
<laughs> I mean, the thing with the Eagles, right, is that this in their division, if they want to win it, this is the game, right? Because I think their next three are the Cardinals, Saints, and Packers, right? So they're losing those three. So is this the game where out of those four, you, they say, if we want, if we're going to do anything, really, this is the one. You you say this, Sam, but this week I looked because I was like trying to look at interesting divisional bets. And so I looked at the, I was looking through all of the current divisional odds and I got to the NFC uh, uh, East and I was surprised to see that the Eagles are still relatively heavy favorites to win that division. And I guess that's more because there's absolutely no faith in the Giants to continue to win football games. But then I looked at the Eagles' schedule and thought, in all likelihood, they're losing their next four games. So it starts to become difficult to see how they're going to win the division unless they're going to get some upsets. And it's difficult to see how a team that's this bad can upset anyone. Well, on the other side, though, the Giants, if I were being very, very optimistic, have three more wins in them with their schedule. So can Philly win two of their next six games? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, this here's the interesting thing. Nail biter. <laughs> here's the interesting thing is no one in that division is being ruled out. The Cowboys are the longest odds to win that division. They are eight to one. I mean, you're looking at I I would say five and eleven wins this either five and eleven or what what are the Eagles? Five, ten, and one. Five, ten, and one might win that division. Yeah. But they are they are two to three to win the division. They are wow. significantly odds on. I'll tell you what, they like. I actually agree with you, Eddie, about the Browns. They should win this one. But you know what? I, I have this gut feeling with the Eagles that this is one of those win ugly games because I appreciate the Browns have had like bad weather in the last couple, which probably explains the low scores. But if it is the case that the Browns aren't scoring at the moment, then it just gives the Eagles that slight capacity to not have to put many on the board to sneak a win. It just. I don't know, like, it's just one of those win-ugly things, but it's really tough not to go with the Browns on just a field goal. I think that's the problem here. But let's just take, I, I, you're right, I, just thinking about this division again. So the Eagles have the Browns. Let's say they lose. They have the Seahawks. Let's say they lose. They have the Packers. Let's say they lose. They have the Saints. Let's say they lose. They have the Cardinals. Let's say they lose. And then, okay, they have the Cowboys in Washington. So two divisional games against two bad teams. They need to win both of those. And they also need that all the other teams in their division have been bad for the remainder. On the other hand, the Washington, Washington play the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Niners, the Seahawks, the Panthers, and then the Eagles. That to me seems like Washington have a far better chance of, say, winning four games, which I think would, assuming the Eagles win two, right? That puts yeah. Washington in first place. Yep. And then the Giants have Bengals. Let's give them a win, even though I think that will be a close game. Seahawks, loss. Cardinals, loss. Browns, loss. Ravens, loss. Cowboys, let's give them a win. That's two. So you, at a max... They're at what five and eleven. Maybe, maybe they get really lucky and 
can beat the Browns to go six and ten. That's that's a very optimistic turnout for the Giants. Would be six and ten. Yeah, and so and we're basically saying the kind of positive outlook on Washington is probably six and ten. The positive outlook on the Eagles is probably five wins. They maybe get to six. And then you look at the Cowboys. They've got the Vikings, probably a loss. They then play Washington. So, okay, let's say they can win that. They play the Ravens, loss. They play the Bengals. Be kind and say they can win that. They play the Niners. Let's say they can win that. And then the Eagles and the Giants. So the Cowboys, I'd say their max is six more wins. Yeah, but... Unlikely, but that's that's yeah. like... I mean, I have to it's count just, the Cowboys out right now without Prescott. It's just difficult to look at this and see why the Eagles are two to three favorites. I mean, I mean they, I still, kinda... they still score though, right? I, I mean, okay, granted, they so lost to the Giants, but, you know, they put, I'm just looking at now, they put 28 against the Ravens, 29 against the Steelers. Uh, they won 23, uh, Dallas, 22 Giants. They put 25 against the 49ers. Um, I mean, I think I, I think they're up. yeah, I think they're favored because people still have this idea about the Eagles that when when it comes down to it, they can win games when it matters, and they can kind of climb back into yeah. to races and and things like that. I, I think that's the reputation people have. Whether they can do that this year, I don't know because Wentz has never looked worse. I mean, he does just looks bad right now. And I, I don't know. So for me, this is this is a tough one because, I mean, I've said it numerous times and Eddie rips on me. I don't think the Browns are as good as their record indicates. Uh, you know, you, you go through their schedule and they they beat the Texans, which, I mean, they're a great team, the Texans, but that's probably their best win of the year. Then, um, you know, lost to the Raiders, just beat the Bengals, thromped by the Steelers, and – Beat the Colts. Thromped. The Colts. What is what is? I, I don't know what are these words. Thromped is like, <laughs> look it up. Top look it thumped. up. Sounds awful. I mean, their their win of the year is against the Colts. So pretty good win. I would be fair. I would love to go against them, but I cannot trust the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's, it's too I think risky. I've talked- it's too risky. I'm just putting myself, I'm just putting it out there. I think I've talked myself into uh, having a little uh, dabble on Washington to win that division. It's not the worst now. <laughs> especially now that they've got the power of the WAPs behind them. I mean. Yeah, I mean, just going on it though, I, I think what helps with this one is just the line. It, it's just, if it was just that tiny bit longer, I'd start to think of that Eagles kind of, winning ugly like this is kind of when they need to they need to win something out of the next five and this is probably the one so but still you, you i just can't back them i can't trust them so i'll take the browns as well and cover so that's all three of us yeah taking the browns cool. yep okay uh next up Steelers at the jags and the Steelers are 10 point favorites um anyone anyone going against it anyone thinking are the Jags going to cover the spread here? I'll be quick. This is, I mean, Mike Tomlin has been asked about this this week, which is this is the looks on paper, the perfect trap game because it is an unbeaten Steelers team against a 
very bad Jags team. And the Steelers play the Ravens next week. So there's every reason to think they're going to have one eye on the Ravens. I'll avoid any Game of Thrones uh, references there. <laughs> but they, nice one. I know, I know. I didn't watch the show, but I could still pull that one out now. But All right, Bran. <laughs> but they... Um, there's every reason to think that I liked Mike Tomlin's. He was dismissive of it. I don't know, Frank, did you see his quote about the trap game? Um, and Frank, we talked about it during the week. I think the Steelers will feel like they've got a point to prove here that they're going 16 and zero, with everyone still kind of doubting them a little bit. I think they'll be talking to themselves every day, looking at it like, let's look at our super, not not that the odds themselves, but just the way the kind of conversation going on. Let's look at the Super Bowl odds. Let's look at Big Ben's MVP odds. Let's look at all these things and look at how people are not respecting us, even though we're the only undefeated team in the league. And I think they'll be on a mission to to have that 16-0. and 0. Also, Big Ben threatens to retire every season. I bet you in his mind, he's thinking... If I can go 16 and 0 and win the Super Bowl, I'm bowing out. And this is when this is how I go out. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking the Steelers, the, the the points themselves, just because the Steelers have been a little bit sort of taking it a little kind of like I've said about the Chiefs. They've taken a little bit easy on teams at times this season. The spread work concerns me slightly, but I'm still gonna take the Steelers because I'm not going to make the same mistake that I kind of make all the time, which is taking the points and then watching the Steelers win by 20. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it, right, as well, because um, the Steelers obviously had that wobble against the Cowboys on a on a tough spread, but also the Jags covered a tough spread against Green Bay as well um, last time out. So the 10 is a bit concerning. Um, I know Luton makes it more competitive in the last couple of games. What if they, um, they took the Packers pulling something late out to beat them and, you know, just going down to the Texans. I'm not sure how much that matters, but I don't know. I'm taking the Steelers to win. It's just this 10 that worries me. Um, I will say of, this. My only, couple, my only other thought, my only other thought on the game, you mentioned Luton kind of being competent there. Anyone who was worried that the Packers were going to ruin their survivor pick last week, so, so anyone like Frank or any money line bets that they had, there was a lot of reason to be concerned throughout that game until you got to see Luton just look absolutely awful in the final <laughs> few possessions. Yeah. And also in particular on the final drive, just the back-to-back sacks. Um, I've not seen a lot from him for me to think that he is an NFL quarterback that I'm going to be scared of. Uh. I just the the problem is as well. You look at I look at the week of games, and there's some bigger spreads coming up later that I'm getting a team to. Uh, I'm I'm taking the underdog to cover, so I'm inclined to probably say that I'll take the Steelers how they looked against the Bengals rather than the Steelers against how they looked against the Cowboys. So I'll probably take I'm going to take the Steelers and cover. I agree with everything Eddie said a hundred percent except it's still a trap game. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I've heard what Tomlin said. I agree with, you know, Big Ben trying to make this a 16-0 season. You know, they feel like they've been slighted, but it's still a trap game. You have a team who's coming off of a loss where they're going to 
even though they lost, you know, in that locker room, they felt pretty good about themselves, almost taking down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They're now coming home, have the undefeated team to play. This is basically their Super Bowl. This is as close as they're going to be able to get to have a meaningful, meaningful victory and feel really good about an absolute shit season. I have, I, I have to think they're going to be all in here. My worry is exactly what Eddie said is Luton is, is no good. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe he gets lucky here and his, his one week progression is astonishing, but now you're going up against the Steelers and Watt and a very formidable pass rush. Uh, it's, it's going to be scary for him. Hmm. I'm I did not take the Steelers as my survivor pick this week. I took them once. I got lucky they won. I'm not going to do that again. The Steelers know how I feel about them, and they are definitely out to get me. So I've, I've not taken them this week. Um, with that, coupled with the fact of it being a trap game, and I'd love to see the Steelers lose because I'm sure tons of people are taking them in a survivor, I'll take the Jaguars with the points, but I'll stick with the Steelers on the money line. My prediction, Luton and the Jags get absolutely thromped. Now, do you know what thromped means? Did you look up the yeah. definition do, I said? We, we got, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. read what you it's, sent it's, us, yes. It's always good. It's always good when the definition is from Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who, to save you all the time of now typing this into your browser or your smartphone, the Urban Dictionary definition of thromped is the middle ground between thrash and pump, a euphemism for hardcore sex. Could you put that in context, please, Eddie? I think I did. The Steelers oh, no. are going to absolutely <laughs> thromp. No. I want the context in the chat that has just been posted. Oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> that context doesn't come from Urban Dictionary. That context comes from Frank, I believe. No, no, that's Urban Dictionary. That's what they put. Oh, that is like, actually. Well, you, oh, think that yeah, Frank, yeah. you think that Frank wrote that. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe it's in the wrong chat. <laughs> so, uh, the, the Urban Dictionary context, example. Context was, man, I like to thrump that ass. But here's the thing is, you said thrumped, not thrump. Thrumped. Yeah, actually, you that's interesting. Yeah. You said thrumped with an yeah, O. Yeah. Not to thrump. We'll give no. it to you. It's close enough, but you said okay. thrumped. But just don't do it again. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, 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 no. But so, all right, for, for reference, though, I think it's spelled wrong in it because I'm looking up the definition of thrump. So the definition of thrump, when they use the word, they typed it as thrump. <laughs> wow, I just love that we've got to go down an urban dictionary rabbit hole on the podcast. Nothing better than an urban dictionary rabbit hole. I mean, hole. There's, always, there's always a lot of credibility in a dictionary that spells it wrong in the definition. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw this out. It's a, a pretty interesting stat I found. So the Steelers are the first 10-0 team since 2015. There's only 26 teams that have ever begun a season with 10 straight wins. Of those 26, six went undefeated for the regular season, five finished with just one loss, nine finished with two losses, and five finished with three losses. The worst 10-0 team ever to finish was the 2015 Patriots who went 12-4. and But that was pretty cool. Only 26 teams since 2015 is the first team. That's I wouldn't have expected that. Um, yeah, it is a little bit surprising. If you if you'd asked me to guess, I would have thought that someone had done it more recently. 
All right. Uh, next up is the uh, Titans Ravens, and Ravens are five and a half point favorites. This has to be that matchup that on paper, like several weeks ago or at the beginning of the season, looked amazing. And then now it's just starting to look decidedly mediocre. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the AFC Divisional Playoff last season, right? Yeah. But even, you know, at the start of the year, both of them looked really good. Um, I kind of don't know how to read this game because the Titans seem to be a different team almost every week. The only thing consistent about them is that they can't play defense. And oh, for I that thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to use the only thing consistent is their inconsistency. <laughs> <laughs> but for that reason, just because I think that although I don't think the Ravens offense is amazing at the moment, um, I the only thing I can rely on is that I know that the Titans can't tackle. And that's going to be a concern when they're going to have to try and stop Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to take the Ravens to win and cover the spread. Kind of falls, I guess, also into my category of a good team after a loss. So I guess it checks a few marks for me. So that's gonna, that's who I'm going with. I saw um interesting stat that if the playoffs were cut today, the Ravens would be the last team in the AFC to squeak through, and the Titans would just miss out. So um, it's interesting what's happened to the Ravens because uh, over the past couple of games, you've just seen that. I don't know. It's looking pretty bad for them at the moment if they keep continuing on the trajectory they have at the moment. But the, I, I think Eddie just touched on the point really is that even though the Ravens, I think they're ranked like 24th on offense. They're actually pretty um, pretty low in that respect. But at least they have a defense to rely on. Uh, the Titans don't. So it's a case of if the Ravens offense kind of falters, they've still got a defense behind them. Whereas if the Titans offense falters, they've got nothing to help. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Ravens. Five and a half seems fair, but I'll, I'll take the Ravens to cover. This is, this is tough for me because exactly what you guys are saying, the Titans defense just doesn't look like what it used to be. And what I mean by used to be was what it was when they played them in the divisional playoffs and they put up a great game plan against Lamar Jackson and you know stopped Lamar Jackson and beat Baltimore. I'm hoping they can do that again the only i guess upside is is the ravens don't look as good on offense as they did last year when they were in that divisional game so i'm going to kind of call it a stalemate where the ravens offense has decreased but the titans defense has also decreased but they at least have the game plan from that game of how to shut down jackson so i'm hoping that they stick to it and are able to do that again I think this is going to be a rebound game for the Titans offense. I think they're going to get back to giving it to Henry and let Henry just pound and pound and pound. And hopefully Tannehill can just be efficient and not throw any interceptions. I mean, he's been pretty efficient all year. He's only got three picks. So as long as they can avoid the turnovers, I think they can beat them. So I'm going to take the Titans straight up and then with the five and a half. Uh, next up is the Broncos. Uh, sorry, the Dolphins at the Broncos and the um... – Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. The line confused me a bit. I mean, is it is it because it's in Denver that this seemed low? I mean, Drew Locke's out as well. The Broncos haven't really been able to piece anything that's, offensively. That's why because Drew Locke's out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. No, just just kind of like adding to a multitude of reasons here. But the thing is, the Dolphins, you know, Drew is playing pretty pretty sensible, if if not spectacular, offense at the moment. But the the Cardinal game showed that they don't really have to do that much and can still pull out wins. So for me, the, the three and a half seemed a bit strange. 
I, I really like the Dolphins here and the three and a half points. So I'm taking that. Three and a half seems about right to me, again, considering they are on the road. So that's them saying they're a six and a half point favorite. I mean, also, I don't know what the weather prediction is for Denver, but you do have a team that plays in Florida going to play at mile high in altitude that they're obviously not going to be totally accustomed to in potentially not great weather conditions. So for that reason, you might be a little bit concerned. Um, And you'd have to imagine if the weather isn't great, that might be a totally new experience for Tua because you're talking about a Hawaiian who played college football at Alabama and who is now playing professional football in Miami. So he won't necessarily have been exposed to a lot of bad weather games. Um, but yeah, you're, I mean, the, the dolphins are better on in every aspect. So for that reason, they can be a little bit off their game. They can even be bad, a little bit bad on one side of the ball. And I think they're still going to win this game. So I'm going to take the dolphins and I'm going to take, take them to cover the spread. Yeah. I'll keep this short. I agree. Dolphins to win dolphins to cover. The two facts I uncovered that were pretty cool is the Dolphins have the second longest win streak in the NFL right now. And, you know, they get no respect with a five-game win streak, which is pretty impressive. And this one I thought was really neat. For the first time in over three years, the Dolphins are a road favorite. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Just, just to touch on the weather forecast, it looks okay. Not particularly warm, but sunny. So he's not going to be encountering any... Uh, I know a lot of people listened. Well, Eddie, you should be a meteorologist. Not particularly warm, but sunny. (laughs) I mean, thanks. (laughs) Look, we've we've already seen one spinoff of the our food podcast. Maybe I'll do a daily weather report. The weather outside is weather. (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine Eddie just every time. Just flicking some grass in the air. <laughs> just see exactly. Yeah, I'll just flick some grass in the air, and then I'll do the like uh, Chernobyl quote. Not good. Not bad. <laughs> I love how you just predict everything from the grass frame. So you do that, and you go, "Yeah, I think it's going to be sunny tomorrow." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You could do the Mean Girls too. I'm not as oh, familiar yeah. with all of the quotes from Mean Girls. It's a movie I saw once yeah. when I was like 14. <laughs> It's a, bit of a gay like, it's a bit of a yeah, it's a bit of like the hold the boob, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She like holds her boob and it's like, it's raining. <laughs> it's a bit of a gay rite of passage, that film. Most homosexual people would have watched that. Yeah, Frank proves that point. Yes. Love oh, it. Wow. I, love and, that I mean that turn of the head then was <laughs> you were you were horrified. <laughs> well, in a podcast, remember where he said he started off by talking about getting off. He then had thromping. And then he said that uh, the Titans were going to pound and pound and pound it. So, I mean, the Mean Girls reference. might have been a fourth pound in there as well. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) All right. All right. Next up is the Jets at the Chargers. Um, I have a point about this one is that I I didn't really think about the Jets in this one. I just thought of the fact that you've got a team that's two and seven, as 10-point favorites, I I mean, that worries me. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. I, I, I saw the pictures of Herbert with his new, with his new look. He looked, he yeah, looked terrifying. I mean, I, mean, I, would, be, yeah, I school, would be petrified if I lined up against that. He's gone school shooter on us. I, I, I think from, he looks like he's like 12. 
yeah. He went, yeah. From, yeah, he was in a trench coat. Yeah. I mean, he, he went from looking like some guy who was hanging out down by the beach in San Diego, like to now someone who's shooting up schools in Colorado. I mean, it's quite the shift. It's strange. It's almost like acne's come back for him as well in that photo, in that specific shot. It doesn't really make oh, sense. Oh, no, he looks so bad compared to, I mean, for it must be really disappointing, right? Because he, he falls in love with good-looking quarterbacks. It's one of those things. And, and Herbert, you mean, this is like a five-year-long crush. So to now see him in this form, it's got to be disappointing. You want him to put well, I mean, the helmet I, back on, right? I know how he feels. <laughs> I know how he feels, you know, with the whole acne thing. So, you know, I, I understand his pain. And sometimes you kind of just got to cut the hair and live with live with the face you were given, right? Wait, cut, <laughs> cut the, what? You, you, he's cutting his hair because of acne? <laughs> I, I don't get how the two correlate. No, I'm saying, he, like, it's not his fault he has acne. You know, he can't look better. <laughs> he can't, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Just going back to the game, though, for me, I'll take the Chargers to win, but I, I can't take the Chargers at that kind of double-digit spread. They're two and seven. They don't make a habit of winning, let alone winning, like, well. And, yeah, so I'm going to take the Chargers uh, to win, but I'm, I'm going to take the Jets to cover. With the yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this one simple. I'm going to do the same as you. I talked before about the Jaguars having the Steelers coming in and this basically being their Super Bowl game. Well, I think in the Jets case, this is their Super Bowl game uh, because this is their best chance at a win probably this year. So if they don't want to be the 0-16 team, they have got to beat the Chargers. So given that, I don't think they will, but I think they're going to give it a good effort. They're going to give it a great A effort and they're going to keep it relatively close. And 11, 10, 11, whatever, that's a lot for a two and seven team that, and, you know, has, yeah, I, I don't see that. I don't get this whole theory that these terrible teams have these weird Super Bowls that they've thought up. And so that suddenly they're going to transform from terrible to decent because their dignity requires that they perform at least once a year. Um, obviously. No, but you know, like, come on, you don't think in the back of their heads, they're thinking, Listen, guys, this is this is our chance to win a game and not be that embarrassing 0-16. Arguably, arguably it's their easiest. I mean, they've got the Chargers, then they've got the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Seahawks. This is it. I mean, this is pre- this is basically Rams, it. If if they the lose Rams, a game, they're the 0-16. No, no. They're 0-16. Two two reasons for that. <laughs> One, they want to go 0-16. They might need to go 0-16. Or like they can't really afford to win many games before they risk losing the the overall pick, number one pick. Then, in addition to that, I mean, if you're not, you say in the back of the, in their heads they're going to be telling themselves this is a game we win. I mean, I think in their heads they've already booked their vacations. They're already mentally checked out. They are thinking, okay, guys, let's just go through the motions for a few more weeks. It's already been embarrassing enough this year. Can't get worse. So I'm going to... Well, can get worse. To... They can get thromped by the Chargers. They might want to get thromped. Maybe they enjoy it. <laughs> um, to me, they put in their good performance against the Patriots. They then still somehow managed to blow that one. That was their only chance. I mean, how are they going to recover from kind of that disappointment? I think I'm taking... Obviously taking the Chargers to win 
doing anything else would be totally insane. And I'm going to take them to cover the spread because I just, I'm not going to take the Jets in any circumstance, under any circumstances. I mean, they had a pretty close, well, second half aside, they had a pretty close against the Bills as well. So there's two games where they've kept it pretty close on tough spreads. But anyway. What was the final score of that Bills game? What was it, like 18-10? Yeah, I think it was 18-10, wasn't it? Wow. But anyway. I guess that qualifies, anyway, as, yeah. clo- that qualifies as close. <laughs> it does with this team. Wowie. <laughs> no, that was pretty a QB bad. without acne. But... <laughs> All right, next up is the um, Cowboys at the Vikings, and the Vikings are seven-point favorites. I'll keep this one really quick. Taking the Vikings seems one of the safest picks of the week in terms of money line. I know they're one of the heavier favorites of the week. Same time, just still struggle to see what there's really to like about the Cowboys. The Vikings actually continue to look reasonably competent, even on Monday night. Their defense is pretty good. The they were up against a really tough defense in the Bears who shut down the best aspect of their game in terms of stopping the Vikings from effectively running the ball. Um, but they have their their playoff hopes are still well and truly alive. Expect them to win this. I think they'll cover the spread because I just think they'll also now be able to run the ball almost at will on this Cowboys team. And so you then throw in a very pumped up, very motivated Cousins. I mean, my Kirk Cousins IV when they got that first down and he just ran down the field screaming. I mean, my IV was, I've not seen a flow rate like that in a long, long time. That's a weird sentence. I'm taking, I'm taking the Vikings and I'm taking a cover spread. Yeah. I'm saying got much to add to this one. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think seven, seven's one of those annoying ones where I got actually rather not have the chance of the push and go seven and a half. But, um, Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Vikings into cover. Same. Third-ranked run game against the 28th-ranked run defense, and they've been doing what they should be doing and not having to rely on Cousins and just give the ball. Let Dalvin cook, right? It's a new, that's the new one now that the kids are saying. So I'll, I'll take the Vikings, <laughs> and I'll take them with the points. Don't, don't act to, like you're cool. <laughs> they had to rely on Cousins on Monday night. I mean, slightly. you, you got to give them oh, slightly. Slightly, who 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 else got them to win? Got them to win. I mean, you could say their defense, but their I defense. Think, <laughs> the, I mean, the the inaptitude of the Bears' offense. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, a uh, good matchup is um, Packers at the Colts, and the Colts are two point favorites. I don't really know how to go on this one. These are two teams that I think are good. But there are two teams that are kind of unreliable, and this would be a is definitely a stay away for me. Um, a game I'm definitely going to be watching because I think it will be entertaining because they can both put up points. Their defenses sometimes don't turn up. I mean, I think the Colts have a pretty good defense. The Packers, unsure about. Um, I'm going to take the Colts. I don't love it. I don't like the Rivers Rogers matchup, but I like every other part of the Colts matching up against every other part of the Packers. And so for that reason, assuming Rivers doesn't absolutely shit the bed, I feel confident that they can win this game. But uh, 
I don't I don't think you can ever rule out rivers just being disastrous. Yeah. I mean, I looked at the um like like you said this one was close, so it, I I kind of let myself be driven by their stats considering we got a lot to go on and at the moment the scores uh, the Packers average 30.8, the Colts average 26.9. Um, but the one that in, so there's what four point four point difference there when they score. But the one that really interested me was that the Colts only allowed up nineteen point seven, and um, compared to Green Bay conceding twenty four point nine. So you think right, the Colts score about twenty seven, Packers give up about twenty five. So you think the Colts are going to be around that mark? I I can see the Colts defense doing more to shut out the Packers offensively, and so I, I'm letting myself be driven. The Colts don't allow many passing yards and the Packers don't really use rush as their main weapon. So I, I think for me, this is a good, good one for the Colts. So I'm going Colts into cover. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with both of you guys. This is a real big toss up. It really depends. The, these are two teams where it really depends on what team wants to come out and play. I think this is a game where Rodgers will be fired up. He knows this is a playoff like game. And he loves to shine in that scenario. So for no real particular reason, other than I believe Rogers is significantly better than rivers. I'm going to take the Packers. I, but as Eddie said, this is a stay away game for me. I'll watch it and I'll probably enjoy it, but I am not going to run the risk of either losing because of Rogers or even worse losing because of rivers playing well. All right. Next up is the, uh, Raiders Chiefs and the Chiefs are eight point favorites. I mean, for me, we, we've said quite a few times that the Chiefs, um, sometimes that they're, they're too good so they don't get a reason to be fired up. I, I mean, surely this is one of the few reasons they have at this point to be fired up is to kind of show that that, that loss was a blip and and they'll remind people of that and i think they'll be really fired up they'll they'll really treat this one as a like a showcase and the problem is though, that the raiders are a pretty solid competent and probable playoff team so the eight is a little bit difficult but i'm going to take what is a really good team taking revenge and showing um for the loss last time so yeah i'll take the chiefs and cover yeah i'll agree with you i was going to say exactly the same thing you know we kind of said the chiefs seem to be coasting kind of just prepping for the playoffs. Well, you have a team that came in, beat them, ruined their perfect season, and then kind of apparently disrespected them by doing a lap around the stadium with the bus, which I don't, whatever that was. I don't know how you can actually get mad about that. Um, so I think they are 100% invested into this game. Uh, to quote Mahomes, he said, anytime you lose to anyone, the next time you play them, you want to win the football game, we'll be ready to go. I promise you that. So any promise from Patrick Mahomes is a promise that I think he's going to keep. The actual stat that is pretty significant here is the Chiefs and Andy Reid are 18-3 and three after a bye. So they've had a bye to prepare for a team that pretty much ruined their season so far this year. So I'm, I'm going Chiefs. Chiefs to cover. I would take probably Chiefs even up to minus 12. And this was my survivor pick Ooh. of the week. I well, I don't I don't like that it was your survivor pick. I don't get the you take them up to minus twelve. I don't know how informative the Andy Reid stat after a buy is with the Chiefs because I mean they've been good every year since Andy Reid's been there. So 
you know, you'd expect them to be good after a bye. You'd expect them to be good in under any the record under almost any circumstances would would be decent. Um, my fear would be that the Raiders. I mean, I said to Frank during the week that the Raiders have a tendency of pushing the Chiefs close. Obviously, they beat them last time out, but then kind of looked back through the results before that. It was 40 to 9, 28 10, 35 3, um, 40 33, 26 15. So, apart from the games where the Raiders actually outright win, the games aren't that close for the most part. Uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover the spread. Uh, I don't love it. I definitely don't love the spread. I'm the opposite to Frank. You know, this Raiders team is good. And um, I mean, this is important. Aside from the motivation of beating a team that they lost to, this is important for the Chiefs because if they lose this week and the Steelers win, they can basically say goodbye to the uh, being number one seed in the AFC. So they can say goodbye to having home field throughout the playoffs. And they then also become at risk of even dropping to a three seed, not this week, but in, over the course of the remainder of the season. So I think that's motivation enough, regardless of the fact that it's kind of some kind of revenge game. Um, uh, last up is the Rams at the Bucks, and the Bucks are four point favorites. So here we go. Another Tom Brady in prime time. We know they've had the issues. They're 0-3 against the spread in uh, three primetime games this season. And I'm going to stick with my guns that it's because Tom Brady has gone down to Florida to retire, and this is way past his bedtime. And he's going up against a young, vibrant coach and a young, dorky, not-so-vibrant quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams here. Uh, they've looked good recently and I think they're going to keep it going. And yeah, the, the Bucks just don't seem to have it in these night games. So I'm going to go off of that, even though it seems pretty illogical. I'm going to go off, off of something super logical, which is the moment the Rams convince people that they're reliable is the moment you have to be cautious. And the moment yep. the Rams consists Frank that they're good is the moment you have to be extra cautious. You are. So I, you could not have put that more correctly. So for that reason, throw out all the stats, throw out everything. That reason alone, I am taking the bucks. That's it. It's the only thing I need. Now, real quick, where do you put them in their division? Um, I think they're the best team. You think the Rams are the best team in their division? I don't think that they have the highest ceiling. So I think the Seahawks are the team with the highest ceiling in that if the defense is decent and Wilson and their offense hit kind of their potential, that that combined is not unbeatable, but not far off it. I think the Rams ceiling is lower than that, but I think the floor is way higher. And I think that they're just a better all-around football team. So I think they're the best team, but I don't think I don't think that necessarily means they win the division. And I don't think it means if they played each other in the playoffs that they definitely win. But I think they're the best team. Interesting. The best team in that division, but you still think they'll lose to the Bucs. I think Seattle and I think Arizona would lose to the Bucs too. It's in it. I, I'm interested by this one. Like the Rams played really well last time out, and they actually 
uh, Russell Wilson didn't have a passing take TD. I thought that was pretty impressive stat. Um, two good teams. The primetime thing is interesting because wasn't the other one um, the last gasp against the Giants? Because they're actually one and two, aren't they, in the primetime slots? But it was the Giants yeah, win. Know. So is there is there something in that? I think three games is a pretty good tell, but it's just a time, right? I'm not really overly sure, but I I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the one where I go back and get annoyed by it. But I'm going to take the Rams and I'll take them to cover. I think that's also it. throw in you know Super Bowl rematch for Tom Brady. Obviously, uh, beat oh, the Rams yeah. a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. He Don't. might feel like he's got a little bit of a point to prove because everyone went into that expecting it to be a high-scoring affair, and then it was, was super, it? super dull. And Bill was Belichick. it like fifteen ten or something, or fifteen nine? Yeah, I don't think it was even that high necessarily. I mean, there was only one touchdown, right? Yeah, in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. Um, so I, maybe he'll feel again. I don't. I don't put much value and much stock into this concept that these professional athletes need additional motivation to do their jobs. I think their motivation is that they want to win every week, that they get paid tons of money, and they love doing what they're doing. So I don't think Tom Brady, aside from the weird things that have motivated him his entire career, needs anything else. But maybe he feels like in the Brady versus Belichick debate, this is just that other chance for him to show the only that he can beat the Rams without Belichick and without the defense kind of doing all the work. I don't know. That didn't sound like your mentality with the Jets team about these people getting seriously well paid, but you know, that's because they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not, I, I agree with that, but you said they've already checked out. So I even mean, with Frank's, all this Frank's, money, Frank's logic would be if you stuck me in like the hundred meter final, or like not the none of the Olympics, but you 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 put me into like some random hundred meter event, and I get lined up there against Usain Bolt. Like Usain Bolt's gonna be like, oh come on, I've won multiple Olympic golds, world championships, I hold world records. I don't really need this one. And me, I'm gonna be lined up there, being waiting for the starter's gun. This is my Olympic final. This is where I go. And the reality is three steps in, I tear my hamstring face plant and they go, Oh yeah. Cause should have seen that one coming. Well, no, actually I think if you use that logic of what you're saying, then mine makes more sense because one, the jets aren't like a basketball team that's getting thrown into a football team. It's not like you're a sprinter in any form of any imagination <laughs> right now. And the other thing is I, I would bet you, and I'm not saying that the Jets are going to win. I'm saying they're going to play a competitive game. And I would bet you if a decent level sprinter who maybe never is going to make it to the world stage has a race against Usain Bolt, I bet you he runs close, if not his PR, just for the pure fact that he's like, I'm in the race against Usain Bolt. This is great. Like, this is my chance to like, make a name, be famous. I'm going to run like my absolute heart out. And I bet you they PR. I'm not saying he's going to beat Usain Bolt. Just like I'm saying not the Jets aren't going to beat the Chargers. But I think when they can see that this is their chance, this is their only game to not be a dumpster fire of 0-16, that they're going to give it an absolute effort. As opposed to when they play a really good team like the Chiefs or something like that, they're going to say like, fuck it, we got no chance. Like, why are we even trying? That being said, right, they're – season would tell you that in situations where they have less chance of winning, they perform better. Yeah, the actually Jets, it's true. Well, the, the Jets Bills. have shown <laughs> the Jets have shown when in a way the pressure is totally, totally off them is when they actually are okay. 
And by okay, uh, oh, I mean, isn't that just the Bills, <laughs> the Patriots? Actually, well, uh, well, we're a little off on the Patriots. Well, I don't actually, think they're a great I would team. say the Bills. You can even like microcosm that game down further because they went up by what was it ten. And then after they went up by 10, they put 50 yards. So when the pressure was on, they put up 50 yards in a or, three quarters. Or did they realize, hey, guys, we've given it a go. Now let's just make sure we lose. <laughs> yeah, we've shown that we could do something. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say, and I say this knowing full well exactly what my sprinting pedigree is. I might be more of a sprinter than the Jets are a competent football team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. I'm not entertaining it. I know what he's doing. He's, he's fishing. So I'm not giving him. No. no. Oh man, what a what a statement. <laughs> and on that note, week eleven picks are week done. eleven. Week eleven. Go with Eddie's picks. Better run than, than the Jets are a team. <laughs> so I guess before with week eleven wrapped up, before we get on to our fictional athletes as real people debate might be worth just taking a look at the uh, Premier League fixtures from this weekend, just because have a fairly big one on, on Saturday evening as uh, City are playing Spurs uh, in, in London, it has to be said. So um, interesting matchup from the standpoint, obviously Spurs are, you know, in, in, if they win this one, then you have to say they have legitimate title aspirations. And then equally, if City lose this one, then it starts to become difficult to see how they could win the title just because the gap starts to grow um, between them and the other teams at the top. So, Sam, what are you, what are you thinking? What's your prediction for, for this weekend? I don't, I don't think Spurs have got title aspirations for a while. I think they'd have to get through the Christmas period before I entertain that thought. But you're right about Man City. Um, it's getting harder and harder because they're not suddenly going to win 25 games in a row from here. They're going to continue to be fairly inconsistent at points and building up that gap will be really tough, especially considering Liverpool seem to be, I wouldn't say they're nowhere near the level they were last season, but they're pretty much still probably the best team in um, the Premier League at the moment. Did you see Guardiola's just signed a two-year deal as well? And he came out saying that he wasn't close at all to leaving. But a part of me just thinks that it doesn't matter much because ultimately if he has a failure of a season, again, they'll probably sack him. So it it seems strange to me this two-year deal saying like, oh, I was never going to leave. It just... I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me looking at kind of managerial positions. Who, it's pretty fickle at the moment. But who, who would they replace him with? Well, that's the problem. I, I guess, you know, you've got like Pochettino's already there. You have the Euros as well. Usually international managers may change or come out of it. So there is that. Who, Gareth Southgate's going to be the next Prince City manager? <laughs> Gareth Southgate. There are other international <laughs> managers. But I, I, I honestly, know. I think part of the motive, I can't see City sacking him anytime in the next couple of seasons just because I don't think there's anyone there who you'd say, well, this is the his replacement. In a way, the only way that I think he could have possibly left before is if Arteta had still been in their staff and they thought that they had a ready-made replacement within there and they could have promoted Arteta to the role. Outside of that, I really don't see who could possibly take over. Um, there's always, there's equally, always like equally, is always suggested, I mean, isn't he, as like a potential Premier League incomer. 
I don't see how City, with the squad that they have, could think that the right manager to take them forward is Diego Simeone, a manager who insists on making his team play defensive football where they just kick the opposition into submission. I mean, what's he going to do? Raheem Sterling's going to be transformed into some some bruiser. I mean, there's... I think on both sides, I think City will evaluate the situation even if they don't win the title, if they win nothing this season and think, well, there's no one there to replace... uh, uh, replace Pep with and equally I think Guardiola probably looked at the landscape and thought where if I'm not retiring where else am I going Yeah, his only real options are back to Bayern Munich or back to Barcelona Bayern Munich seemingly not an option at the moment because you know they've since their last since the sacking at the beginning of last season gone from strength to strength and Barcelona Anything but. I mean, would you want to go back there? Would you want to take them over now? Maybe two years from now. Maybe he thinks now I want to go back to Barcelona with a kind of messy-less Barcelona and prove that it wasn't. I'm not. I wasn't just successful in Spain because I had Messi in his prime. I could. I could understand that, but otherwise. And to touch on your other point, when you said you don't think that Spurs would have serious title aspirations if they win this weekend and say Liverpool and Leicester draw. I think if you're a sit, uh, Spurs supporter or if you're in, a Spurs player in the camp, I think you'd have to say, this is as good of a chance as we're going to have in a long, long time. Well, I mean, the Leicester, when Leicester won, I think that was their chance. But I mean, I'm only saying like four or five games. I, I'm not saying like, give me till the end of February, then I'll let you know. It's I'm basically saying, let's see what the Christmas looks like for them, which is what, four or five games from now? So... I think this will go a long way to really seeing. I, I can see them in, going back to the result. They're on kind of like a four-match winning streak, I think. Um, Man City, I, I don't know. I'll probably go with, I think it's a draw. I, I just think it, I, I think it's quite an easy one for me to say draw. Not as in, I definitely think that's a score. I just... I just can see them cancelling each other out. I can see the classic City scenario where they slowly start, Spurs take the lead, and then they grow into the game and maybe get an equaliser or something like that. It seems to be a bit of a theme with City at the moment where they start slow and ultimately it costs them any sort of victory. So I'd probably go with like a score draw in this one. I think City will win. My reason for that is because I think Mourinho won't be able to help himself and he's going to take an overly defensive approach in the match. And I think that's going to play into City's hands. I think if Spurs came out all guns blazing, I think they'd have a really good chance of winning this. But I feel like you'll get Mourinho reverting to type and setting a team up to stifle City rather than setting a team up to beat City. And I think that City will find their way through because fundamentally, defensively, Spurs are still not great. Yeah, that's that's their weakness. Their weakness is going up front rather than stopping stuff at the back. So, I, I mean, the other game as well is Liverpool-Leicester. I mean, I, I'd, I'd go for a Liverpool win there, but Leicester always a, um, a sucker for a surprise, aren't they? Unless you think otherwise. But. I think, yeah, I would... It's tough because Liverpool are slowly losing more and more players. I mean, I don't know if uh, Salah is going to be available because he obviously... Uh, had a positive COVID test over the international break. 
after attending his brother's wedding. I know he got a little bit of flack. I saw a lot of stuff on social media with being like, he shouldn't be allowed to do this. He shouldn't be allowed to attend any social event. Admittedly, the videos of him dancing with large groups of people with no mask on, not a great look. Um, but the idea yeah, the, the orgy video is even worse. <laughs> the idea that he wouldn't be allowed to attend his brother's wedding seems a little bit extreme. Like he's he's not a slave to Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> like, um, but assuming that he's missing, you just start to feel like Liverpool more and more players uh, unavailable. I mean, Joe Gomez is out, right? He's got a serious injury you just start to see sort of chinks appearing in the armor and uh, just to throw in another racial slur for the day for me. Um, roll. Yeah. The wops and the chinks. And I'm going to say, I think, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that, that Liverpool, I would, I stay away from this one. Interesting to watch because I think it will be a good test of where Liverpool are and equally a good test of exactly where Leicester are as well. But, I mean, outside of that, you, like for me personally, you've got a really nasty game for Arsenal. Um, they're away to Leeds and it's just a really nasty one. I can actually see Arsenal winning it. It's just one of those typical ones where they um, they come off a good result against someone then lose to someone else. But this time they got top thumped by Villa. So I'd like to think that they're going to come back in some way. They need to come back, actually. Um, because otherwise they're going to get to this really problematic phase. Like, it's okay losing to Liverpool away, losing to City away. The Villa one is like, okay, well, you kind of get one of those blips, but another one, like a way to Leeds? No, you'd, you'd start to see a problem with their season at the moment, but I don't deny the direction, just a problem with the season if they continue to, like, have bad performances. But I can see Arsenal winning that Leeds game. It needs to be a win, simply put. I think they'll win. I think this is actually kind of a nice matchup for them. And I think I think the sheen is starting to come off leads a little bit. I think they've done that thing that teams sometimes when they've been promoted do, which is they have a few good results and and play with all the... I mean, I know that the intensity they play with is a character of their game, but I think there comes that moment where you just start to wear down a little bit and teams figure you out a little bit more. And I think this is actually a nice match for Arsenal to try and bounce back. Now, Obama Yang was held hostage over the international break, so I don't know how that will affect him. Um, <laughs> to be fair, he's been pretty terrible since he signed the contract, so being hostage might actually change it for the better. Yeah, true. Um, the interesting match for me, too, is United-West Brom. Not from the perspective that it's a particularly <laughs> watchable game. I, I actually is, slightly yawned as you said that. <laughs> but this is very much for Solskjaer and for a lot of those United players, like push your chips to the middle of the table on this one. I mean, if they cannot convincingly beat West Brom, I mean, if just say if they cannot beat West Brom, I think that could, I put it this way. I think if West Brom win, I think Solskjaer goes. I, well, it depends how soon they're playing PSG, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, that's that's Before, their problem. It's, they need a big game. They don't do well against the teams that are just going to give them mundane results that they actually desperately need. They need like a high-level game for Solskjaer to come out and almost almost turn public opinion the other way for like five games. I, but yeah, you're right. I think you do have to have a very serious conversation because Pochettino is made for that position 
right now. Free agent, no ties. He'll probably come in and demand a lot of things. Manu are the club that can kind of give that. I think they've got someone ready for that role. And I think going back to your Man City thing, yeah, I agree with you with the Guardiola thing is there's not really anyone ready-made. I think Pochettino is a ready-made and he could start theoretically tomorrow if they sacked him right now. So, yeah, Solskjaer needs to turn this around quickly. Pochettino makes far more sense for United, A, because they've been courting him for what feels like nearly a decade and actually can be far off a decade. And in addition to that, He's a manager right at their level, which is he's not had a big, big job. He's shown that he is capable of getting good results with a good team and playing good football. But the Spurs job of a few years ago is not the equivalent of managing Manchester United. So he still doesn't have a huge job on his CV. And United aren't going to attract anyone who does have a CV like that. I mean, they're just not. So he's about right. Um and that can only be increasing the pressure on Solskjaer in a way because what, we, what they must feel at United is if Pochettino does go elsewhere, then they are really in a position where who is the possible replacement? And they'll, you know, as long as Pochettino is, is kind of lingering out there, they'll know, okay, this is what the plan can be. As soon as that gets removed, everything becomes far more complicated. Also interesting to see that Paul Pogba's poor performances have now moved into the France team because for a long time he was playing well for France and playing terribly for United but over the international break he was also awful for France so at yeah. least now he's brought it's consistency kind of into his game <laughs> it's, it, did you hear what he said as well like playing for France is like a breath of fresh air so everyone kind of read that as a um, like a semi dig at the fact that the situation of Manu isn't great so he likes coming away from that setup to um, be a part of the France team but it sounds like it's not helping him no, I mean, he also doesn't play all that often at United anyway. So just playing and starting must be nice for him. Exactly. And just, I guess, maybe to one final point, just something that came up in the thought I had over the international break, because obviously watching England play and decisively beat Iceland uh, a couple of days ago, which I don't know how much it means. I think Iceland aren't, aren't great, right? Um, they're not going to the Euros. They're not exactly a great litmus test of how good England are. But Southgate has definitely turned this into an England team that consistently beats now teams that are less talented than them. But he struggles in situations where he's up against teams of equal or greater talent. And fundamentally, I've now reached the point that he's so negative, And I'm hopeful that at the Euros, he'll sort of unleash the youth and talent and pace within this England team. I think it's unlikely that he will do so. And it was interesting watching the differing reactions as a kind of overall people are so critical of Southgate, even when they win, but when they don't play the way people wanted them to play versus how people reacted to Germany getting thumped by Spain or France losing to teams they just shouldn't lose to. And the negativity in England, it makes me think, interesting question for you, Sam. Do you think that in a way England managers are hamstrung by the media and the fans not from that the criticism impacts their job in terms of the stress level or the, the pressure, but that it basically forces them to make the decision that the safer option is to be more conservative and to be more defensive, knowing that if they do that, they fundamentally reduce every match to moments of extraordinary skill, incompetence, or luck. And so you're kind of basically guaranteeing almost, we'll probably get to the quarterfinals and then we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, during our lifetime, I, 
I have seen just like British media just like absolutely tear apart several iterations of this England team. And not only that, but what they do is they build them up at the same time. So they build them up massively, then do the job of tearing them apart. I mean, the Germany 06 team was probably the kind of early noughties in England um, was like the best example of that. But the last World Cup, what characterized that was the feel good around the England team was the fact that the media went in with no expectation. Southgate was going in with this kind of like bringing exactly what you said, this kind of like youth, this kind of not bothering too much or caring about a weight of expectation, just kind of playing to England's strengths. And then all of a sudden we came off that as World Cup semi-finalists and we've started to build up the expectation again with like the Euros. I think before it was cancelled, we were favourites or maybe even second favourites. So then you start seeing Southgate changing things formationally speaking, like he starts to play a bit more with five at the back and the, the wing backs then don't push on as much. So it looks stale like the belgium game was i think that word probably is really fitting for it it's stale we do well against teams that are bad because we just dominate them possession wise and wait but it just feels like what you're saying is that it just feels like england managers get to the point now where anything that's got like quarter in front of it is somehow a success because it's like oh well we lost to a competent team and that's the best we can hope for yeah, I, I think I, I think the media actually have backed off England over the past couple of years until recently because Southgate has instilled negativity on it. Yeah. Southgate, yeah, I think he's been a slight victim of his own success, right? And in addition to that, I just think the frustration that this is such a potentially talented England team, um, which look happens every 10 years or so, right? As you touched on the 2016 team had a ton of talent. Um, you know, when you speak to the, wouldn't speak to, not that we personally speak to them, but whenever you hear the players from the 2002 to 2006 era, they're stunned that they didn't win a major tournament. That they thought they had so much talent in that squad that it blows their minds in a way that they weren't able to actually get there. I think this England team runs the risk that a few years from now, many players of this generation feel that way as well. Um, and it's a shame if Southgate wastes some of that by taking a conservative approach because um, they have the potential. Look, I mean, he should almost learn in a way from 2016 that if you're exciting, 2018 even, if you're exciting and not that they were tremendously exciting, I mean, they were basically one on set pieces in the matches, but if you do, if you bring people joy, which they brought joy by winning, if they then bring joy by, by playing well, that I think people will be forgiving even if they end up losing, which is what happened in... 2018 because they lost the semifinal to a team that was entirely beatable for them yeah the, the final bit of expectation and they lose um but for me as well that that that's exactly right like the next next year's euro so euro 2020 even though it's in 2021 is at wembley if you've got crowds you've got momentum on your side you've got crowds on your side and i think the won't have crowds sam <laughs> let's be real we're not I, having crowds at Euro 2020 I think there is a chance of it because of everything they're saying about vaccines um, I think there's a real chance of it but anyway going past that if there are crowds I mean let's put it this way if there's no crowds then there's no Royal Ascot 
very, very different. I mean, look, I think there'll probably be people. But fundamentally, they're not because in the eyes of the government, they're both sporting events and there's going to be caps on sporting Mm. events. So either there are, there aren't. Well, they've already said that sports, uh, they've already said that they're considering for like December, letting fans back into Premier League games. Yeah. The different two differences. One would be they already granted an exception to horse racing at one point. And then took it back. Yes, because things got significantly worse. But I think there is much more realistic possibility that for two reasons. One is because you can have social distancing and horse racing far more easily than you can. There might be limited capacity at Royal Ascot. I think there might be limited capacity at the Euros. But limited capacity at Royal Ascot will still mean far more people than they'll let into a football stadium. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Because how much can Wembley seat? 90,000. Okay, so let's say they do twenty percent. Yeah, the problem. The problem. The only problem with international games is is there going to be that many people at Royal Ascot? Twenty thousand people, sure. If they use both sides of the, you know, they open up everything. I mean, you can have people spread out much more easily. Um, The other thing too, I think there is far more pressure to allow people to go back to racing because of the fact that without. I know that football at certain levels is in trouble because of a lack of fans, but racing at every level is in trouble without spectators. And so the pressure there, I mean, the the UK government just gave uh, horse racing 40 million pounds, just promised them 40 million pounds today or yesterday. They're going to have to continue doing that on a regular basis. Football, in a sense, can fix itself. All the problems in the lower league can be fixed by the Premier League if they want to. And as we discussed in a previous episode, the whole plan that they put in place to give 250 million or what it was to spread that out in the lower leagues. Football can fix it. They just need people to be less greedy at the top level. Horse racing will rely on handouts from the government to keep going, which is an issue for the government because the gambling and the revenue that horse racing brings in is incredibly valuable for them. I actually think England, just to wrap it up, I think England do have a shot at the next year's Euros. They, they really do. Just to tell you, just be brief, they're joint favorites. And the way so the it's... draw has worked out for them is that a lot of, A, it's fairly kind, but B, the route to the final is coincidentally gone through Wembley quite a lot. Um, I think if they got to the final, something like over 50% of their games would be at Wembley. And so it's worked out so well for England and it's set up really well for England to have a good Euros and... I mean, are they joint favourites with Belgium or France or... Belgium and France, three joint favourites. And then Spain and Germany and Netherlands, not far behind in the betting, but the three of them at the top of the market. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think it's anyone from those three. Um, I'd love to say England. I think they've got a real shot with this Euro. Uh, This is the best chance of winning a Euro since 96, uh, for sure. So... We all know what song characterized 96. <laughs> and the finals are at Wembley. Exactly. Yes. And now let me try one of my smooth transitions. So talking about songs that inspired a nation, uh, maybe we can talk about TVs and films that have uh, made sporting experiences on, on the big screen feel real. So with that... Mm. <laughs> I know it's not good, your it? best work. 
<laughs> okay. All right, Eddie, you get that one. <laughs> Sorry, the teleprompter froze for me for a second there. So I just had to ad lib. But the, we're going to have our top five film or TV athlete who we think if sort of transplanted into real life with the same skills and the same personality would be the best real life athlete. Yes. So, should we, so obviously should, you, you can't, you can't put in a, like a movie based on a true story. It has to be a fictional well, character. Is, so <laughs> you heard, did you hear that Sam and I discussed this briefly where he suggested, he suggested, didn't suggest, I just said of all the rugby films I can think of, there was Invictus, but obviously it yes. is based on a true story. Yeah. We know exactly how good Francois Pinard would have been. Because we got to see it in real life. Now, yeah. unfortunately, the actually the movie version of Francois Pinar, played by Matt Damon, a significantly shorter and smaller man, would have been a far worse rugby player. But a severely handsome man. Yeah. All right. So, who, uh, who wants to go first in this? What Sorry. format are we doing? Are we all doing our five and then we move down? Or are we doing all five, one person does all five and then we see? I say we start at number five and we each work up one at a time. Okay. Who wants like to go We first? all do five. We all do four. That works for me. Who wants Did to go first? you just remind me of the what's acceptable here? <laughs> anything Any, is acceptable. Anything. Just you could try and justify it. The person could fundamentally not even be an athlete in a TV. I guess if you wanted to argue that you saw this guy throws a ball at one moment and you think that would translate it, it would be a stretch and kind of okay. out of the description. Okay. But if you really want to go for it, go for it. That keyword is stretch. So I'm going to leave it on that one. All right. Who wants okay. to go first? Well, then okay. let's, let's let you go first, seeing as these are going to be your number five, not your number one, your number five. Yeah. Okay. My number five is Fulton Reed from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Interesting. I'm, I'm sorry, but that kid at like what the age of 13 has a hell of a cannon shot on him. I mean, what they call it, a slap shot. You see it when he first gets on that ice. He is absolutely smacking that net as a 13-year-old. Like you it, pick up that talent at that point off the street, you cut you cultivate it, you train him. He is gonna be one of the best players uh, the NHL ever sees. I mean, you're right. In the Iceland game, he literally hits the shot so hard, he knocks the goalie over and the puck goes in because it knocks the goalie over. This is the question. Kid. The question there is, does he progress or is he like the kid in rookie of the year where he's maxed out at his age and he can't hit it? He can't shoot any harder. Maxed That's, out, a, maxed out as a thirteen-year-old kid with that he, power. The amount well, of because, steroids that you're taking. Because I'm in the say, second one, in the second one, he matches up with like another, like rough guy. You know, like the I think they call themselves the Bash Brothers, right? So at that point, he's kind of already hit puberty. So you're looking at a post-puberty thirteen-year-old. So he doesn't have that much. More. It's not like he's like eight years old and knocking over goalies. <laughs> I'm going to say he's the Freddie Adu of uh, ice hockey, and he's definitely not going to. He's definitely not going to be the best product of the Mighty Ducks franchise because my number five also comes from the Mighty Ducks, and my pick is Adam Banks, clearly okay. the most talented offensive player in the Mighty Ducks franchise. The only concern as to how far he can go is 
is he able to shake his injury worries? And yeah, I'm going to very say, injury prone, very yeah. injury prone. I'm going to say as he grows into his body, as he, you know, just like gets past that, maybe overcomes some of his problems, kind of gets on some spe- very specific physical training programs. He, de- he, he fulfills his potential and he is an NHL all time. Great. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had, he had a air of Connor McDavid in him when he was younger and you know, the, it really sucked that he goes to represent the U S and he's the clear captain and would be the leading goal scorer of that tournament most likely, but then gets injured. I mean, that, that could have been a shot in, on his career in terms of the spotlight, but I think he gets another chance. He did not make my list, but he was one of my honorable mentions of one of them. The only other one from Mighty Ducks would be maybe Julie oh, the Cat Gaffney. <laughs> could we also give it, whilst we're on the Mighty Ducks here, could we just give a shout out to Gordon Bombay? I mean, this guy was basically doing <laughs> well, that's another one. service hey. as a lawyer, and he took this team. <laughs> I mean, Bom- Bombay could have been a great one too. But, uh, you know, he got he hurt his knee. Well, also interesting point. You could have told you. You're right, Sam. You could have chosen him as the best real life character, but as a coach, <laughs> you could have said and, he has the most impact on the professional scene from a coaching perspective. Would have been hard to. I think that would have been a better pick than your eventual who you did opt for from the Mighty Ducks franchise. So, Frank, did you know they're bringing that back, the Mighty Ducks oh on Disney no. Plus, as a movie or is like a tv series i think it's going to be a tv show amazing oh dear okay well how could frank excited what's what's your five frank okay my five i don't think either of you are going to know uh but it's neon boudot and it's from the movie blue chips so i don't think any of either you guys have seen blue chips so basically blue chips was a basketball movie where it was like a really respected coach, but then his team was doing really poorly. So he wanted to go out and get like the super recruiting class. And it all centers around um, like the shady deals and recruiting and things like that. So Neon Boudot is played by Shaq in the movie. And he's literally this guy from Louisiana who can barely read or write and has never played formal basketball, but he's just a savage on the court. So they bring him in, and in his freshman year, he just dominates. It's literally a representation almost of Shaq, but even better. Every play, he's just dunking over like three people at a clip, and they win NCAAs, I think, as a freshman. And then there's like a whole scandal, and at the end of the movie, it says like they then drop out of college and go right to the NBA. So he's definitely my number five because it's basically like the second coming of Shaq, only potentially better. I'm going to say I accept this one, but I'm going to throw a slight asterisk in here. Because it's Shaq playing Because when you have a professional (laughs) athlete playing the role, you're basically saying we got to see it. It's it's close. It's not far off. Well, then that could be a lot of life character. That could be a lot of basketball. Yep. Is it a basketball one? I know exactly who it is then. I'm allowing it to, I'm allowing it to happen, but I'm just saying there is a definite asterisk by that. There's a couple of things that make my number one an exception in my opinion. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait we'll Oh, I no no, I Frank, know it, I know it's Sam's number four? one. Is, you want to kick go off four. on your We'll Frank. snake it. Yeah, we'll snake it. My number 4, this is going to be a controversial one, I think, cuz I only put one boxing one in there and I went with Ivan Drago over rocky why because this motherfucker killed someone in the ring 
who had beaten Rocky before. There's no way that this isn't the most powerful and strongest boxer to ever come out of the Rocky franchise because, I mean, he's literally killing people in the ring. See, I'm Champions. Disagree. Champions dis- in the ring. I'm going to disagree with you because my number two is the guy he killed. my number two is rocky so we're just gonna go through this so i have actually discussed this hold on hold on on. there's also i have a good thing i just want to say one thing so i i went i was like i did some searches on this and they actually had a bunch of boxing experts they got together and they ranked the top boxers in rocky and the one guy his comment on uh on the Siberian bull, as he's known, was the expert said that the Creed win was not as good on paper as it seemed. <laughs> I don't care how good it looks on paper. He killed the guy. <laughs> Let me tell you why it's not Knocked as good on paper. Killed him. Let me tell you why it's not as good on paper as it seemed. And I'm going to tell you why. I guess the order is going to be a little bit th- thrown out of whack here. But why Apollo Creed is my number two. Apollo Creed was unbeaten until he lost to Rocky in the in the rematch. His record was 46 and 0. You're talking there about one of the greatest boxers of all time. You don't I mean, know who May- he fought though. Uh, <laughs> he was a champion. He was fighting all comers, right? I mean, look, this is a guy who literally came out of retirement 10 years later to fight a Russian machine. You're thinking that Die. guy was turning down and that's the thing you have to factor in. Okay, Ivan Drago beat him when he was 42. I he mean, beat him. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, he didn't beat, beat him. him. He, he didn't beat, beat him. him. He murdered him. It was Literally lambs to the slaughter. Him. And he, he beat a 40, he beat a 42-year-old who hadn't fought in 10 years, who came into the ring with a 35-minute dance routine. I mean... Let's give him credit here. Bernard Langer's done nothing for 10 years and came out as a 63-year-old and if beat DeChambeau. If Bernard Langer had done a 15-minute dance routine before teeing off on the first round of the Masters, he probably would have had a stroke as his, on his downswing. So the fact, the fact that Apollo Creed dies, or say, let's say he's real, died in, in the Ivan Drago fight, it doesn't affect his record. He is still the greatest boxer of all time. And he's the number two on the list. He's better than Rocky. He's better than Ivan Drago. Now, Sam, tell me your dumb idea. So real quick, just for this, the boxing experts that ranked all of them, uh, the Siberian Express was ranked number three or the Siberian Bowl. Apollo Creed was ranked number two. So he was ranked higher and according to the boxing experts. And Rocky was ranked number one. Rocky was ranked number one. Nonsense. What do experts know? Nothing. Because I'm right. <laughs> All right, Sam, tell us why Rocky was better. Sam, what was Rocky? What number is he on yours? Surely we need to go back to um, four. <laughs> like, I was just like, we're all talking about like our twos at the well, moment, right? Well, that was my four. Yeah, I okay. know, but okay, you can save your Rocky explanation for later. But we 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 fundamentally accept that that's I mean, you. You're scrambling for time. 
I'm not scrambling for time. In the previous (laughs) one we did for like greatest movies, I put Rocky up there because of his victory over like these people. Like you were saying that Creed is better than All right, save it, save it, save it for you. No, 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 I got it. I got it all day now. (laughs) The only way with my pick. He beat Apollo. He beat all of them. He is a comeback king. And also he does it from good positions like he's got a reason he's passionate i'm sorry oh, this wow. is rocky. calm down sam no, no. something about the position i put you in <laughs> okay right. i'll throw out my four then my four non-boxing non-ice hockey non-basketball it's another none other than ricky vaughn from major league really yeah the guy throws through 100 miles an hour plus in an era when that was really a sight to behold evolved into an incredible relief pitcher. If I could transplant him to the modern era, he'd be even more valuable in an era now where relief pitchers get used way more heavily than they did in the nineties. So if I can have him now, I've got this guy coming in either potentially as a closer, but if not as a middle reliever to throw two, maybe three crucial innings, come in, throw a hundred mile an hour plus, Get us out of a jam. <laughs> Guy's the dominant relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. Sam, you want to give us your number four? I'm going with Forrest Gump. <laughs> Two-sport athlete. Like, I Terrible mean, the guy... Pick. Wait, but actually, just... hold on. Which sport are you picking him for? What, ping pong or like a punt returner? <laughs> like, I'm going to yeah, go with... ping pong or I American get... football. I mean, the thing is, Table we're just tennis, talking... I guess we I'm not... Actually, I'm not taking him for a particular sport. I'm taking him and the fact that he is an athlete. So he ran crazy fast. He had a crooked spine, even though he had strong legs, which I love the description. But he was incredible. What was it, Alabama he played for, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Yes. He's like the Jesse Owens. Here's the thing is, you need to tell us the sport. You think Forrest Gump becomes a world's... Like- no, no. See, see, now I can argue against this because I thought Forrest Gump too, because... I think of it along the likes of Deion Sanders. Was Deion Sanders the greatest cornerback ever? No, but the fact that Deion Sanders played both football and baseball to me makes him an even greater athlete overall. So the fact but that we, you can do really well in two sports, then I consider that you know like one of the top athletes. But two two issues with this. One, any see you can maybe tell me from table tennis because he showed that he could kind of semi-dominate the world of table tennis. Outside of table tennis, okay, he was really fast, but he was pure straight-line speed, and he was a complete moron. So unless you tell me that he's going to be... Unless you tell me that he's going to be... <laughs> oh, man, Eddie, you are just stepping over every type wait, of wait, minority wait, wait. and, and, and everything. Oh, man. <laughs> wait, unless... just to add, why, why can't you be a good athlete but be a moron? No, you can't. I mean, look, most of them are, but the, the, the yeah, we're definitely gonna get a lot of people on interviews. He's, he's on. A <laughs> so we got this level. moron. He's a complete mouth breather. Like he, like you know, you, you wouldn't be able to put him to death in most states. So there's my issue with him from the athletic standpoint is it's pure straight line speed. So unless you tell me you want him to be a sprinter. And it would have to be just 100 meters, right? Because I don't think he could handle the, like the the, the curve Eddie, of the two. He ran across the country. He could definitely oh. do distance. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, but in a straight line. You could, you could run across the USA in a straight line. So, so okay, so now he's an ultra marathoner. Is this where he's yeah, excelling? So he's in table he tennis. I didn't realize he's table tennis. He's an ultra here. marathoner. He's a sprinter. He's a football player. This guy's going to play veteran. more sports than anybody. If you can't tell me the sport he's going to dominate in, then it's too. You can't tell me like that would be like me saying like, oh, you know, I watched. Um, so I watched the Mighty Ducks, and actually one of them was the greatest swimmer you've ever seen. They just didn't show that ever. But, but they do show it. it. But Forrest shows it. In two sports, right. So you got to tell me, is it table tennis or is it another sport where you're going to apply his athletic ability and you got to convince me as to why the athletic ability we saw uh, would mean, make him amazing? I mean, I mean, we're just adding caveats. The caveat was an athlete. <laughs> like he is an athlete. No, the new caveat is we have to convince Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's always he's, 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 he's a supreme ruler. Yeah. Thank he's you. He's a war hero. That's that's all we uh, need. If you want to start going I, I into war heroes, I don't like to call myself a war hero, Sam. You know, I, I think it's. I think you know, I was just doing what anyone would have done in that situation, but you got to tell me the sport where otherwise this is just. A total mental exercise, right? We got to, you got to, you got to be able to tell me Forrest Gump kick returner in the NFL, best kick returner of all time. Maybe I accept that. But if you're just telling me good all round athlete, I would say he's, yeah, I would say he's the, what if you said he's the greatest two sport athlete in football and table tennis? Um, I would maybe dispute that he has footballing ability would have been able to get him into the stratosphere of greatest two sport athlete. Cause he would have just been a kick returner, right? He couldn't have done anything else. Yeah, probably not. So, but okay. I'll, I'll accept that he's, he probably justifies a four spot as a two sport athlete. That's fine. But you got to tell me it's football and table tennis. Can't just say raw athletic ability could have done anything. Oh, right, what's your next one? Did you, what are you on? My number three. Yeah. My number three is Johnny Utah from Ooh. Point Break. Now, here I got to throw in a slight caveat of my own, which is that what sport? I'm football. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm trying to take him before the career-ending injury, and then even though that is obviously part of his story arc in the film. I want to take him before that, and I want to hope he doesn't get the injury. So you're you're pulling like the the Gary Bertier. Remember the Titans before yes. before he gets in that car. I exactly. want Gary Bertier right before he opens that car door. <laughs> right up until the moment the engine switches on. <laughs> right before the moment where he goes, no, you man, you you, and then he speeds away, and that's it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's my pick. Arguably would have been the greatest Ohio State quarterback of all time. And I think his skills might be the best all-around athlete we discuss in this top, let's call it top 15. Uh, um, And I think he would have been a great NFL quarterback. My number three is when we did our top five movies, one of my top five favorite movies is A League of Their Own. So I have to put the most dominant player from that movie in there, which is Dottie Henson. 
you have a person who was, she was the best defensive player on the field. She had a cannon for an arm. She would dive into the stands. She was great gold glove defensively, no doubt. And then offensively, she was a house. She would, she was the only one who could consistently hit home runs. She was clutch as fuck. She never missed her opportunity except one crucial play where she purposely dropped the ball and ruined my dreams. So I'm going to let it slide and say that if put into a real life situation, she wouldn't face her sister who's always been number two behind her. So that scenario of her purposely dropping or blowing a game won't happen. And all you're getting is the amazing talent as a catcher and as a hitter. And the fact that as a catcher, she was a good at calling the game as well. So I'm going to put her as my number three. Yeah, I mean, you're right. In a scenario, it's it's impossible to imagine siblings competing, you know, in, in a Serena versus Williams kind of scenario or in a world <laughs> where we've just seen uh, a ball brother get drafted number three when his brother was drafted number two the year before. It never happens that siblings end up playing each other. No, but in this scenario, we're taking her out of a movie and putting her into real life. We're not also taking her sister out of the movie and putting her into real life. And look, I'm not going to I'm not going to argue in a way on her. What's the Arnold movie where he comes out of the screen and comes to real life? The Arnold movie? Yeah, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he comes like out of the screen and other characters come out and they become real life humans. Oh, the last action hero? Yeah, that's it. Last action hero. This is kind of what we're doing. We're last action heroing the athletes. <laughs> now, here I'm not going to not going to dispute her athletic uh, credentials. I want to touch on one thing you said there, though. You said before she crushed your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love that movie, and every time I watch that movie, the ending still to this day disappoints me. Like, there's just a glimmer of hope in the back of my mind that maybe I've watched the movie wrong the first forty times, and in this take, she holds on to that ball and wins because she deserves that win. Her sister does not deserve it. She was the best player in the league. She dominated that league. She didn't even want to be there, and she was still hitting home runs left and right. And she should have held on to that ball. Okay. So a league of their own is the Houston Texans of movies for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam, who's your number three? I don't think you guys are going to like it <laughs> because I don't think it's a very good, because um, the problem with happy Gilmore is that the, the quality of it is extremely like regional and <laughs> like, what is it? Pro-am basically what they're doing. But I wanted to give a shout out, in my opinion, to Shooter McGavin. Because <laughs> until things get dirty with Shooter McGavin's tactics, that guy was winning everything except the jacket. He was dominating this sport in that area. I'm going to call it that area. But the thing is, the guy was just defending the game of golf right he thought that the etiquette wasn't there with happy gilmore he was doing everything to ensure the integrity of the game and i think that has to appeal to something so don't get me wrong probably not the best golfer to come out of the game but for his until he starts to like buy people's houses and try to uh, buy audience members to try and throw happy gilmore off his game but um yeah i want to go shoot him a gavin for kind of that funny reason 
Look, you raise an interesting point there. In the same world in which we've had the remake of Karate Kid with Cobra Kai, where they've kind of flipped it and made the <laughs> Cobra Kai characters not seem quite as bad, there is a world in which you remake the Happy Gilmore like movie, but from Shooter McGavin's perspective, and he's the good guy. <laughs> apart I mean, from the it... buying, apart from the house, like the house is the only issue. <laughs> But, yeah, the house is the but, issue. It's a great investment. Him, <laughs> yeah, but from him trying to just protect the game of golf, and you you could spin it that he was the good guy, and Happy Gilmore is just the is like the Bryson DeChambeau of the of that of that universe, and so therefore should be despised. See now, Eddie, have you given your number three? Yeah, my number three was. Um, yeah, I gave my number three. Apollo Creed? No. Apollo Creed no, was your my, four, right? Yeah, my number three was um, it was Johnny Utah. Oh, that's right. So my so, number two is actually Happy Gilmore. Because okay. I think real life, we're seeing Happy Gilmore in a probably same asshole-ish format in Bryson DeChambeau. But with the addition of at least another 50 to 60 yards on the drive then you're getting to happy Gilmore level. So you're looking at someone, what? That's where you're wrong because I was interested in seeing um, whether or not where I should rank happy Gilmore if he should make my top five. So I did a little bit of research and people have done research into how far happy Gilmore was driving. He was hitting his tee shot 340 yards, which obviously in the 90s, crazy distance and so and it's gotta be more than 340 because he drives the par four on on holes in the 90s you would have seen 340 yard par fours i'm pretty Maybe. sure but the I'm way that sure the, the ball goes range, the way the ball goes 100 into the air like that there's no way it's landing at 340 <laughs> look the thing is you have to put it in perspective right 340 in his era would have been crazy that's like 450 now and then in addition, he was using old-fashioned clubs, right? So That's true. He was using, so he, he was probably using, is hitting at 400 right now. You could tell me that he's hitting 450 now. I could kind okay. of believe it. But he so is then fun- I'll, I'll keep it. He is fundamentally only hitting the distances that DeChambeau is actually hitting right now in real life. But you're right, though, with shitty clubs and shitty balls. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, stick, I'll stick to that, even if he's only hitting 340, 350 in, in the show, which I still can't imagine. Because I thought, I, yeah, what Sam said, I thought at the range he's hitting it over 400. But he's my number two, Happy Gilmore. And then once he learns how to putt, uh-oh, Happy learned how to putt. Game over. <laughs> I ate a piece of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> You eat piece of shit for breakfast. <laughs> I've already said my two, right? And I kind of gave my reasoning behind why Apollo Creed is the maybe the greatest boxer of all time. Sam, I believe Rocky was your two. So please share with us your defense. I, I already gave the reasons in that passionate defense earlier, but I think he, I think he beat them all. He was the comeback guy. He was the one that when... It all looked bad when it all looked down. He pulled out of absolutely nothing and managed to come back against all of these people. And I don't think he needs to say much more. All I'll say is he was a weirdo who was clearly fucking his robot. So he's got that going against him. 
but no, to me, he's he's the good the feel good story, but he's not the better better boxer. So Rocky ended up going fifty eight twenty three and one. <laughs> so he's like, I've picked Floyd Mayweather, and you've picked Ricky Hatton. <laughs> oh, Ricky, <laughs> and I've picked both the Klitschko brothers put together. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the other thing we have to factor in. Your pick fails every drugs test now. Oh, no. You don't think Russia can be ahead of a drug test? Come on. This guy was the embodiment uh, of the USSR. Frank, Frank, are Russia competing at the next Olympic <laughs> Games? <laughs> yeah, but he's, yeah, he's, he's got better drugs. <laughs> as soon as I said that, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. The last few years. As the words you. were coming out of my mouth, I, I, the brains was like, yeah, I'm screwed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he might be the greatest, but if he's in real life, he's just sitting home in Russia making YouTube videos of him punching through a bag or something, and no one cares. All right. Number one, Frank, you want to kick us off? I can kick it off. To me, I feel as if there's no argument against this being the number one, and that is Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy. This guy had never played any sports his entire life steps onto the field as a 31 year old with no athletic experience and records 16 sacks to set the NCAA record in his first <laughs> game. <laughs> he is killing people left and right on the field. He would be an absolute machine. My only criticism besides the age factor, so he's not going to have a longevity in his career. Penalties? Is it the penalties? Is in today's NFL, he's going to get heavily penalized. Oh, no, he plays. He plays <laughs> one game and he's gone. Penalized. But I did a little bit of research, and there's not one, but there's three different websites that put up a fake scouting report on Bobby Boucher as if he were going to go into the NFL. I just want to read just one of them. So this one, it goes into like size, strength, mental makeup, and it gives you know like a grade and everything. So tackling one, meaning exceptional grade. This is what the person writes. I can only put this one way. In my long, distinguished scouting career, Bobby Boucher is the meanest motherfucking hitter I've ever seen, period. He honestly makes Gary Bertier and Luther Shark LeVay, who's uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor in any given Sunday look like Pop Warner punks. This dude obliterated his own quarterback at practice late out as science professor during a lecture and has concussed somewhere in the neighborhood of 75% of the southeastern United States. If there are three things I know in sports for certain, blah, 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 and his number three is if you ever see Bobby Boucher running at you, assume the fetal position and say your fucking prayers. <laughs> and then they also have versus the run. He's exceptional. And it says Boucher has that rare. If you're standing on the football field, no, literally anywhere on the football field, he will find you type of range that is essential for a hall of fame, middle linebacker, whether it's a sweep or an end around, or even if there's a guy on the bench randomly holding the ball, Boucher will get him and open up a can of whoop ass. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you make that look. The 16 sacks kind of speak for themselves. That being said, 
I mean, that was just in the one game. I couldn't find statistics as to his overall sacks for the year, but it had to be somewhere in the range of 80 sacks in a in a shortened season. He didn't even <laughs> play the whole so season. Stupid. Here's here's the thing is though, you you've touched on his weakness, which is he's gonna be unplayable because it's just gonna be 15 yard penalty after 15 yard penalty, and he's gonna get suspended and fined. So his professional career would probably be about six quarters. But they would be the most amazing six quarters a linebacker has ever played. Maybe I just don't know if someone can be number one if their if their professional career was going to be exceptionally. Limited. I mean, if if they just taught him to just avoid the helmet hits, he might be able to stay in enough in a game to at least get double digit sacks in a game. All right. Well, I'm going to, because I know Sam has already stated that his number one pick is going to be controversial. So I'll let him go last. I know what it's his not is. not going to be allowed. <laughs> My number one pick is a little bit similar in a way to you, Frank, which is age might be a little bit of a factor here. I'm taking Roy Hobbs from The Natural. Now, yeah. if I can have 19-year-old Roy Hobbs before he gets shot, and so I get him full potential that would be ideal if i get pitching roy hobbs who also develops into the hitter that he then became greatest baseball player of all time it's not even close however agreed even if i just get him as an aging hitter he's still incredible still multi-year mvp now hopefully too modern medicine means that that silver bullet will not slowly kill him and so I can drag him out till maybe 40, 45, and we get a nice career out of him. Here's my question. Is he also bringing the bat along? Yeah, 100%. Is that allowed? Because we just said taking the athlete. We didn't say the athlete with his tools. He gets his equipment. You get your own equipment? Yeah. So does Bobby hey, Boucher he, get the punter helmet? <laughs> if he wants it, yeah. And and Happy Gilmore can still use his old clubs if he wants. He's not required. Yeah. He, oh, in that case, like then Phil I Mickel definitely defend my number two of Happy Gilmore. He'll be like when Phil Mickelson was controversial, and because like they when the wedges and they got grandfathered in with the new wedges, and then Phil Mickelson made the switch, even though he wasn't using the wedges before. Happy Gilmore will get grandfathered in. It will be a talking point, but and Hobbs's bat might be a talking point too. Doesn't matter. Now, Sam, no, I never saw it. Please, please let us know your number one. Oh, come Can on. I, I guess. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I is think it, it's pretty obvious, but I want to say there's a difference. Is it based on a real person? Yeah. Is it Michael Jordan from Space Jam? Yeah. But there's one key reason why this isn't the human Michael Jordan that we all know is that that game winning dunk, he extends his arm by a good 10 meters. Now, this isn't some real life athlete playing in Space Jam. This is a guy who not only was the best NBA player of all time, but he's now through training with a bunch of cartoon characters, had the ability to morph his body into 10 meter game winning dunks. Now you, if he brings that back into the real world, he's even better. So what's happened is, is that they've taken Michael Jordan and they've made him better in Space Jam. So I'm saying that if you take Michael Jordan's Space Jam back into the real world, he's unstoppable. See, now on my honorable mention list, I had the Monstars, any of them. 
but I didn't put them in because they're not like humans. <laughs> so I couldn't put them yeah. in. <laughs> be I think I think you have to be a human to live in the real world. <laughs> I also think that the, you have to be competing in the in our universe. So you've taken Michael Jordan, transported into a universe where he can do things that he otherwise couldn't do, and then claim that he's better than the original Michael Jordan. Now the interesting thing, because it gets brought up a lot, right? His stat line from the game against the Monstars is impressive in the sense that he went 22 from 22 from the field. Yeah, remember I made this a trivia question? Yeah, at the (laughs) same time, it's only 44 points. So it's not the most mind-blowing performance you've ever seen. And it's not even the best performance on from a, from a point-scoring perspective that Jordan had in his career. It's not even close. And I just feel like in re- I'm going to disagree with you, even with his stretching arms. He only had 24 <laughs> points. He only had 24 points. But, but he points can't stretch games. the arms in on Earth. He can only stretch the exactly. arms in that land, right? In Looney Tunes yeah, land or whatever a, it is. It's a terrible pick. You've basically you've just picked Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, that's fundamentally what you've done. So another similar one I thought of was Teen Wolf. So if you ever watch Teen Wolf play, oh. he dominates the court when he's the wolf. He's just all over the place. Yeah. I kind of wanted to take Jesus Shuttleworth, but then I didn't because of the fact it's Ray Allen. That it's Ray Allen. So is he just Ray Allen? And then also the fact that it would put an asterisk by it because I'm just getting to pick Ray Allen. Yeah. Some of my other ones that I had kind of thought of was Ernie McCracken, one hell of a bowler. And then Roy Munson even comes back and he still beats him. So that's a decent not a one. Sport. He was winning. Bowling. Okay, not going to go to sport. Okay. How about Jean Girard from, the, from Talladega Knights? Not only was he like the most decorated Formula One racer, he then comes and just dominates NASCAR and wins like 10 straight races. Decent argument. Um, and then the other one I had was Harry Potter, but is Quidditch a sport? Because no. Harry Potter, as a first year, came on and was dominant as a first year. He would have eventually made it to the pros if he wanted to do that as his career, but he chooses not to in the end. I mean, this is Harry Potter is ridiculous. That would be like me <laughs> picking Luke Skywalker or Anakin Skywalker. As but they the, don't play sports. The, well, like pod they racing. Do the pod, they do the pod racing. Oh, they do the pod racing. You're right. I mean, that's actually... He was a good pod racer. And and he's like, what, a five-year-old? Six-year-old? No. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) The other is like eight or nine. He's probably eight. Yeah, eight or nine, but still. Oh, sorry. Okay. Is it that three or four-year gap that really turns you into a pod racer? Actually, you know what I'm... Based on the fact that you Yeah, a five-year-old to a nine-year-old is a big difference. The fact that you're now all throwing out people in mythical universes... Bending. Or we do Gladiator? No. <laughs> no. That would have been a good pick, too. Hey, if Gladiator no. was your number one movie, why isn't he your number one fighter or athlete? Well, he might be my number one fighter. It's just, I don't, I'm not sure how well Russell Crowe would translate into a professional athlete. Now, UFC? Here's the thing. Oh, yeah, probably. But he can't bring a sword or a chariot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the... I'm taking Anakin Skywalker then because he also has the fucking force. So if we're allowing this to go, you've just ruined the entire game. Well, obviously Anakin Skywalker would dominate. No, no, no. Hang on. No, no, no. Is he a better force wielder or a pod racer? Can't be both. You didn't let me have Forrest Gump both. 
Uh, he's no, but he could do pod everything. racing with the fours. He can do everything. But here's the Bas- difference, Eddie. Basketball is controls people- the basketball with the force. Baseball controls the baseball <laughs> with the force. Golf. Oh, you think you think Happy Gilmore can hit a long way? Watch it until he has it orbit the earth nine times and then drops <laughs> in the hole. So wait, are you picking Anakin or spoiler alert, Darth Vader? Oh, <laughs> d- d- <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> You ruined it for some people there, Sam. I, 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 so are you picking the light side of the force or the dark side to wield in sports? My game? argument against that, Eddie, is people do play Quidditch now. Yeah, and it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they they don't. People. What's, they what's don't more play Quidditch. Sam, Sam, what's more sad, people playing Quidditch or someone on land rollers? <laughs> the fact that they're playing a game where you meant to hover on brooms but don't is really sad <laughs> so i'm gonna give eddie the reprieve no look my land roller period not my proudest but to even compare it to a bunch of losers skipping around in a field with a broom <laughs> between their legs pretending that they're doing something all of whom are probably just massive dorks at liberal arts schools who've never played a sport in their lives before they thought got to kind of LARP as their favorite character from a ch- children's book, not even comparable to the at least the requirement for balance from the land rollers. You need balance on a broom. Nothing is sadder than seeing those muddy losers pretending to play a sport that doesn't exist. Uh, but it does good. exist. But it does exist. <laughs> All right, well, so just to recap. Racing, sometimes I sit in my couch and pretend I'm pod racing. <laughs> no, and I'm no, the greatest no, no, pod no. racer of all time. No, okay. but they have transferred Quidditch into a real-life game. They haven't transferred pod Sam, racing. Not Sam, yet, Sam. Not Sam, yet, go, Sam. Sam, go and watch a video and tell me that they <laughs> okay. have transferred Quidditch I into really real life. I actually, it's in the okay, movie The Internship. Enough, uh, it's I in the movie The Internship it. with Vince Vaughn. The movie with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. They, they play it. It's so pathetic. <laughs> All right, Eddie. So re- just to recap, give us your top five from one to five. Oh, I've got it. Really? I got to do this quickly. <laughs> um, my number five was Adam Banks. My number four was Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. My number three was Johnny Utah. My number two was Apollo Creed. And my number one was Roy Hobbs. Okay. And then mine was number five, Neon Boudot. Number four, Yvonne Drago. Number three, Dottie Henson. Number two, Happy Gilmore. And number one, Bobby Boucher. Sam? Oh, my clay. Fulton Reed, Forrest Gump, Shooter McGavin, Rocky Balboa, and extraterrestrial Michael. <laughs> extraterrestrial Michael Jordan. Good point, actually. You know what? E.T. would have been the greatest cyclist of all time, would have dominated the Tour de France. I'm taking E.T. You thought Lance Armstrong was pretty good on two wheels? You should have seen E.T. With a basket. (laughs) You know, it's not a real argument until Eddie just starts getting aggressive and unrealistic in his arguments. He's just gone down the slope now, isn't he? He's He's in the Eddie slope. (laughs) 
He's going to be doing this for days. We're going to end this podcast and he's still going to be doing it. That is my lasting memory now for a long time. It's just like watching like someone like doing a time trial, you know, head down really intently going down the road. And then someone just coming along in like a normal bike with a basket on the front. Well, think about it. E.T.'s head is basically the shape of the helmets that they use in time trialing. So aerodynamic. Yeah. I mean, his wrinkly skin and stuff, maybe not that, low, that aerodynamic. <laughs> the shape is there. Oh, and also think if they design a bike actually for him, take him out of the basket, put him in a bike of his own. He'd be so low to the ground. You throw in that aerodynamics and then the speed, the ability to just take off. I mean, you think, oh, how am I going to get up this mountain in the Alps? How am I going to do this? He just literally flies up to the top and it's over. But he can't do like a straight line fly, can he? He still has to follow the road, which could be hilarious watching this hovering bike ahead of you still following the road around. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> You'd win. Easy. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, real quick, let's just wrap up with our picks of the week. Um, Eddie, can you update with how much we have left so I know how much I can actually oh, bet I'm going. Still? I'm all in for this one. I think you're not allowed to go all in. You're not allowed to go all in. You've got at least three weeks left of bets. Let's say it that way. Because otherwise it's just silly because you go all in and you're either out or you win and you'll be potentially winning the competition. So you you, you don't want me to win is what you're saying? Not that way. (laughs) Just by rolling in the same way that I can't just go all in. Yes, I am. (laughs) Well, casinos have rules, you know, Sam. This one has a rule. Um, (laughs) You're not the house. (laughs) I'm the one staring at the spreadsheet. Hey, you've got to give up your stake if you're the house. Okay. Um, I could give up my stake and still win. That's the reality. Um, I have, I'm in the lead with 93,900. So I'm 6,100 down so far and I'm winning. Uh, Frank, you're in second place with 60,000. So you're 40,000 down. Okay. And uh, Sam is down to 35,000. Okay. I've got mine all lined up. Yeah, I got all mine right. lined up too. All right. What do you what do you have, Frank? Um, I don't know the exact odds, so if you can look this up for me. Yeah, which sports? I, okay, so it's just a single bet. I'm going Villa to win and over two and a half goals. So Ashton Villa are playing Brighton. Last year, that was the most shots in a match in the entire Premier League at 44. And right now, Villa is pretty hot with scoring chances. They have more chances per game than any other team. And then on top of that, you have my boy Grealish coming off a really good match. He was man of the match against Iceland in his international, not debut, but this whole run um, has been his debut in the past few months since he's been uh, added to the international squad. So he's going to be feeling good about it. I think he's going to come back. They're going to set a good tone. I think they'll win. And I think it's definitely going to be over two and a half. That is a uh, 3.4. I'll take it. 3.4. I, li- I like that. It's actually a really nice bet. So what was your stake? 20,000. Okay. Sam, do you have your, uh, your bet in mind? So I'm not allowed all in. No, 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 because you need to at least have something left. Like you have to at least leave 10,000 left. All right. I'll tell you what, I'll do 15K on this. So I will do just straight up wins 
for uh, England and rugby to beat Ireland, um, the Steelers to win, the Chargers to win, the Vikings to win, and the Chiefs to win, and it pays 1.79. Wow, you, you mocked me a week ago for having my conservative accumulators, and then you have taken a page right out of my book. Well, in fairness, the idea was that 1.79 would get me up to about 100K. But all right, not allowed all in, so I'll take 15 on it. Uh, okay, well, mine is going to be not too dissimilar to what you have done. I'm going to take the Saints to win, the Steelers to win, the Chargers to win, and the Chiefs to win. And that pays 2.75. And I'm going to stick 23,900 on it. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, Sam and I need some wins in this. So hopefully uh, we can get back into not, not the green, Just obviously, like... but less red. <laughs> Just need a win. Oh, all right, boys. Well, with that, I think we should say good night. And uh, we'll see how they do. Get to ready to watch a nice Thursday night football game. Yep. See you. Right, talk to you later. Cheerio.